sometimes entertaining, sometimes serious, always compelling. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. The power to be entertaining, to be informative. The power to talk. The power to dance. WABCRadio.com and the 77 WABC app. The power to give you what you need to know right now. We are 77 WABC. Ernie Anastas, weekdays on 77 WABC. You can hear my reports, Positively Ernie, weekdays 9.45 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. It's how to make life better with positive news you can use. Listen weekdays with Sid and friends in the morning at 9.45 a.m. and with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, 3.30 p.m. Ernie Anastas, bringing you good issues with a positive spin. Ernie Anastas is ready to begin a new chapter. On 77 WABC. Talk Radio. 77 WABC WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays This is Sid and Friends in the Morning For my friends 77 WABC the House Speaker showdown, the battle for the gavel, is entering a new phase. At least nine Republicans have now announced their intentions to run for the post. The GOP holding a candidate forum as they try to find someone they all can agree on. And the House has remained without a speaker for more than two weeks. Among the contenders, Byron Donalds of Florida, retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Jack Bergman of Michigan, and Majority Whip Tom Emmer of Minnesota, who's backed by ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy. In the Middle East, for days now, an Israeli ground invasion of Gaza has appeared imminent following Hamas's deadly rampage two weeks ago. Israeli warplanes took aim across the Palestinian territory. Targets in the occupied West Bank and Syria were also hit as the war with Hamas threatens to spiral into a wider conflict. In Iran, the country's foreign minister called the region a, quote, a powder keg. In a major change, the USS Eisenhower, with its accompanying warships and fighter jets, was redirected to the Persian Gulf in response to the rising tensions in the region. Fourteen trucks carrying goods and medical supplies entered Gaza from Egypt. They are the second convoy of aid to arrive since Israel imposed a complete seizure of the territory. And in Delaware, President Biden spent time outdoors after speaking to Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu and six other world leaders. Mr. Biden also spoke about conflict and peace with Pope Francis. Now, ahead of the expected ground invasion, there were widespread pro-Palestinian rallies around the world from Chile to Indonesia, Ecuador and Brazil. Hundreds of thousands sent a message to stop the bloodshed. In the United States, no different. Houston. Atlanta, even in our nation's capital, they all saw major demonstrations. Here at home, a huge rally in Brooklyn lasted for hours, and we followed the demonstrators. As the day gave way to night, the mostly peaceful scenes ended with clashes and several arrests. Chaos and clashing at nightfall on the streets of Brooklyn. 
Police say more than a dozen people arrested during a pro-Palestinian demonstration. NYPD cops pushing protesters back and ordering them out of the roadway. The rally continuing into the night, with tensions eventually flaring between cops and demonstrators. We are on the sidewalk. Keep pushing the According to the Wall Street Journal, during the show, Chappelle would criticize the United States for supporting Israel's war crimes against Palestine. Chappelle's criticism would lead to an audience member heckling him, telling Chappelle to shut the F up. Reporter for the Wall Street Journal, Sabrina Siddiqui, who did not attend the show herself, summarized several accounts of that night. On Saturday, Siddiqui tweeted, Here's how it went down. Per attendees, Chappelle condemned the October 7th Hamas attacks but said it was wrong for the students to lose job offers over their support for Palestine. This prompted an audience member to shout, Shut the F up, Dave. This is what triggered more of a reaction from Chappelle, according to attendees. He said the Hamas attacks were not an excuse to cut off water, electricity, etc., or commit war crimes. Some people in attendance cheered and shouted, Free Palestine, while others yelled, What about Hamas? A couple of attendees say Dave also said Free Palestine, but those in the crowd say they did not hear him say that. Later in his show, Chappelle said of the October 7th attacks and the Israeli government's Gaza siege that two wrongs don't make a right. Reach for comment, a Chappelle spokeswoman said he denies being in Boston last night. I don't think anyone who understands this situation and the gravity of what this situation entails in the coming weeks and months um, can sleep or rest. I know I haven't for two weeks now. I don't sleep um, and I wake up and you just open up your phone to the next level of chaos and anti-Semitism and radical ideology being spread through social media. Deception lies. It's it's crazy. So I just want to... If you want to tell me I look tired, tell me I look tired because I'm going to be looked at for a very, very long time, I believe. But anyway, we fight and we keep waking up and we keep doing whatever we can and we let Hashem bridge the gap. My inability to overcome this evil is not the point. It's what Hashem will do with whatever we can with what he's given us and he will do the rest. So breakfast radio tomorrow, uh, New York, uh, 8.10 in the morning. radio show uh, called Sid and Friends. I'm going to be talking to Sid about the uh, complexities, nuances and the path of what everything uh, looks like it's leading to uh, in this information war and this war for the Jewish people's right to exist in their ancestral homeland. So if you're interested in tuning in, you can hear the conversation that I have with Sid, which I'm looking forward to.
Some ass early 609 in the dark on a Monday morning on your favorite talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We are sitting friends in the morning. And there was an awful lot in that open, about four minutes in that open. Today I'm going to mention a couple of people that really have me pissed off. Dave Chappelle, I've always been a Dave Chappelle fan. One of his concerts, <laughs> he took a lot of abuse for how he talked about transgenders. And I remember me and Bernard, God rest his soul, defending Dave Chappelle. Well, Chappelle's dead to me now, so that's that. Dead to me. Finished. And I'll get to the specifics. You heard it in the open. He did a show at the TD Garden in Boston, did two shows. You know what they do now? I mean, you've got animals like Elon Omar. She's not a human. She's an animal. Rashida Tlaib, Corey Bush, Ayanna Presley, they're animals. But then you get the ones who are more subtle, the ones who go, well, well, hold on a second. We're not happy. We're not okay with Hamas killing Israelis. But once you say but, you're garbage. Ron Kuby did that. You know, I don't I don't um, advocate. You know, I'm not okay with what the Hamas did. But what do you mean but? But what? But what, stupid? So Chappelle does that, you know. Well, what do you expect? What do you expect? Well, you've got millions of people, and they're, they're all crammed in this little area, and they can't. And the Israelis shut up electricity all the time, and they shut up the food all the time, and they shut up the water all the time, and none of that is true, of course, none of it. In fact, Israel does whatever they can to make these people as comfortable as possible, including giving them work permits. Alex Trayman, who will probably join me today, told us the stories of how a lot of these young barbarians who committed these mass murders now 16 days ago were the same people who were hired by those Israelis to do work in their homes. And not only did they pay these animals, they fed them. They sat with them during Shabbos at their own dinners. And how did these guys repay them? They returned with guns and raped their daughters and killed their mothers and fathers. From the river to the sea, blow me. How about that? From the river to the sea, blow me. I am so sick and tired of being surrounded by these pigs, these murderers, these animals. 
5,000 people in Bay Ridge on Saturday night. 5,000. So I reached out to the mayor right away. And listen, folks, right now is not the time for me. Curtis can do all he wants. I love Curtis. Curtis can do no wrong. But I'm not interested in bashing the mayor right now. I'm just not. I need his help, actually. So I called the mayor right away, and he got right back to me. I mean seconds. And I said, man, what am I supposed to do here? I'm a big Jewish voice in this city. It's one thing when they're in Gaza or Lebanon or Yemen. These people are 30 minutes from my house. They're not peaceful demonstrators. Many of them were yelling death to Israel. They're not there because they're pro-Palestinian. They're pro-murder, and they're in Bay Ridge. And then you want to know why I called Frank Morano an asshole the other day when he said, and I quote, I love about this country, people can go out there and voice their opinion. Oh, really? Voice their opinion? From the river to the sea, let's kill Jews? That's voicing an opinion? That's what they did. That's what they've been doing. Don't tell me that's a beautiful part of this country. It's gross. And I don't care how many times the judge Napolitano, and Audie's going to do the same thing. Audie Idala's coming up at 645. He's going to say the same nonsense. Oh, Sid, what if they start to tell you what you can and can't say? I will never in a million years ever go to a rally and defend anyone who murdered people. That's what these people did. Don't ever compare what I do to what they do. There is a difference. We amend everything. We even added a baseball wild card team. There's got to be a way to amend that First Amendment where these types of rallies can't take place. That's hate speech. 5,000 of these cowards don't even show their faces. They wear the schmata around their face. They don't show their faces because they know why they're there. They're completely okay with eradicating Israel, all the Jews, and murder. Now, because I am Jewish, and it's more personal to me, I become the voice. You know, Danielle said to me yesterday, you heard Nate Buzalik there. The very end of the open, he's a very famous actor. He's been in Vampire Diaries. He's uh, been in Hacksaw Ridge, the originals. He's a big star in England. He's got over 3 million followers, 3 million on Twitter and Instagram. He was also in Pretty Little Liars with my friend Lucy Hale, who was an inside man with me. And Nate's going to join me live from Los Angeles at 8.10 this morning. And he said, I'm tired. I haven't slept in two weeks. And if you say, I look tired, fine. So yesterday, Danielle says to me, you look tired. I said, I am. I am tired. I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Most of the topics I discuss are not fun. Thank God we have more fun on this show than most shows. We'll talk music. We'll talk about something as inconsequential as the Giants, who are awful. I don't care they won yesterday. They're awful. They're two and five, and they're still, if not the worst team in football, they're right there. So that didn't excite me. I'm sorry. God, I watched that game. I'll never get those three hours back. And I sat there going back and forth between the game and Fox News, and to be honest, I couldn't care less about the Giants. They're awful. But I am tired. I get up early in the morning, and then my phone all weekend long doesn't stop, you know, between Curtis, God bless him, I love Curtis, and I'm 
actually honored and humbled that Curtis has kind of looked towards me to be his helper with all of this. And I believe there's a town hall in my neighborhood tomorrow night. I think, I don't even know, but it's exhausting. The illegals, the migrants. Now I got all these Jewish leaders. I'm not going to name them. Texting me all weekend long, asking me for help here, help there. I said, Dan, I didn't sign up for this. She said, Sydney, I hate to say it, but the truth is, with a little bit of power, this is what happens. I said, wait a second. You and Gabriel keep telling me I've got no power. I'm not even famous. And she said to me, I guess we were wrong. But on a serious note, she said, I feel badly for you because you do look tired, and it's a lot. Keep the illegals out. Keep the Palestinians out. Fight for the Jews. I just wanted to watch Ohio State and Penn State. That's all I wanted to do. I swear to you. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. And then when I get a text from unknown Jewish leader, and I'm watching the game, the game becomes so unimportant. You know, Danielle said you made fun of the FAN guys. Last week, how about now? Don't you wish you were one of them? Don't you kind of, isn't there a part of you, Sydney, that would love to be getting up for work this morning, going down to Hudson Street and talking about the Giants? Or the fact that now there's only two 6-1 and one teams in the NFL, the Eagles and the, um, the Chiefs. The 49ers have a chance to become that third team if they win in Minnesota tonight. Talk about a game seven between the Rangers and the Astros and the ALCS. Wouldn't you love to be talking about that this morning? And I said, no, no, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I just did it, by the way. There you go. <laughs> what do you need to listen to the fan for? There you go. You're going to call and tell me that, you know, Tyrod Taylor in five quarters has had more deep completions than Daniel Jones in five games, <laughs> while some 19-year-old girl just got raped for the 40th time in a tunnel in Gaza. Does that explain it to you, Boomer? Geo, Tiki, Evan, Brandon, Sal. 40th time, maybe 50th, who knows, in a tunnel in Gaza. Make me care. But I don't want these rallies in Brooklyn. I don't want these rallies in New York City. I don't want to see these people. They're not peaceful protesters. They're animals, completely okay with murder. Almost every one of them. If you feel differently, then you're one of them. You know, I saw something this weekend, Noam, that there's approximately 300 miles, 300 miles of tunnel in Gaza. And they're very, you know, narrow, of course, both in height and width. So it's very difficult to get more than four or five Guys down there at once, yet the consensus is Hamas has snipers in there waiting, as well as bombs and booby traps. So when we start to figure out why these Israeli troops were amassed and ready to go over a week ago and they're still not in, there are two things at play here. A, the United States has absolutely played a part here. They want to get the hostages out. And they want to use every possible negotiation possible before the Israelis go in. And Biden has basically told Netanyahu, you can't go. And Netanyahu listened. And secondly, 
It is the intelligence factor. This is a very, very difficult operation. And they're going to lose a ton of men. A ton. They've already lost guys. I saw a story about a handsome young kid from Rockville, Maryland, who was shot dead in the West Bank by Hezbollah, not even Hamas, over the weekend. I think I read that. I'm not even sure. That's right. So they're dying everywhere from all kinds of terrorist groups. Is that not is that not right? Yeah. Well, you had that uh, 22-year-old from Rockville who was killed in Lebanon because now they're Lebanon, worried about... Lebanon, not the West Bank, right? Yeah, in Lebanon uh, because now they're worried that Hezbollah, which is uh, occupies part of Lebanon, is going to start firing rockets, which they have, but more so So, so basically, basically that ensures, that ensures, because we've asked this question, I'll ask it again today anyway, just... Because I have to. It's obligatory. But that basically ensures that Israel is going to fight the war on two fronts. Well, they're hoping they won't. They're hoping that the battle that they're doing now in the north will convince Hezbollah that it's not worth getting involved. Yeah, right. Well, you mean when we tell Iran, if you do this, don't? No, it's more the military might they're putting on the border. That It's a battle they can't win. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. They are ten times the size and weaponry of Hamas. They don't seem scared or intimidated by the Israelis or the Americans. And they may not win, but they can cause some massive casualties. You see, if you're Iran, you're worried about one thing and one thing only. Don't confuse the issue. It's not about religion. It's not even about hating the Jews, which they do mightily. It's oil. Go in there and blow their oil facilities sky high. Cut their head off. They are laying on billions and billions of dollars because Joe Biden is a pussy. He's a pussy. He's allowed this to happen. He's complicit, Joe Biden. So they're good to go for a while now. They don't even need that $6 billion they got for that awful hostage deal a couple of weeks ago. They're good to go. But to make sure they can't keep doing this, you got to blow those oil facilities sky high. they got one where they're making billions, and they have no way to protect it, Iran. We can blow it up today. What are we waiting for? Tell me what. Norm, I'm talking to you. I don't know what we're waiting for. I, you know, I, when you talk about, though, these hostages, the issue, Sid, with those is now they have good intelligence, the Israelis do, that almost all those hostages are alive. Yeah, so 200, then, 222 alive. Yeah, yes. so what do you do now? If you know those hostages are nah, alive, right? There was, the, there was the thought that maybe they aren't, but if they have good intelligence that they're alive, Don't ask me do you go in? Do. Yes, you go in. Don't ask you me do. what to do because I'm going to sound insensitive. And people are going to say to me, well, what if it was Gabriel? What if it was Gabriel? I'd feel differently. Yes, that's how life works. When it's your child or your mom or dad, you don't want it to happen. But when you start to think about the greater good, then as insensitive as it sounds, they become casualties of war. But those families all weekend out, you couldn't miss them. They don't want to be forgotten. They don't I want understand. somebody to make a decision that will affect their lives. I, they're the, they're, it. It's their young kids. It's I grandmothers. It. It's I women. It. I get it. What do you want to do then? What do you want to do? Well, clearly they've hold off because they think maybe they can get to some of them, right? They're coming up with some 1,500 Israelis are dead. Over 5,000 Palestinians are dead. You're talking about almost 7,000 people. In two there weeks. Will be th- in two weeks. There'll be thousands and thousands and thousands more to die. And you're going to, you're literally going to make your moves based on 222 people. 
Again, not my son, not my mother and father, so it comes off insensitive, I get it. But when you're a government official, you have to make moves for the greater good of your people. And the greater good is basically wipe Gaza off the face of the map. Wipe it off the face of the map. Drop every bomb you've got and kill everybody. We've given these people way too much time to, to evacuate. Way too much time. Well, they they gave them, by the way, essentially a final warning today. Yeah. That but if the, you're in the north, That's their go tenth final warning. That's well, their tenth one. Then they can say, look, we gave them a week to get out More. instead of 24 hours. Nine days. And then they could say, okay, we're going in. If that's it. In. We've given them nine days. More, I think it's 10 days now since the very first evacuation call. 10 days, United States makes us wait, we listen, that's it. It's over. It's over. And then I want to see what Iran does. Because if Iran is dumb enough to get involved, then you blow them off the face of the map. Take out all their oil fields, every one of them. Bomb Tehran, I don't care. This has to stop. And it's coming here, 5,000 people in Brooklyn. Come on, man. We can't get 200. We have a big uh, Israeli, pro-Israeli parade. We're lucky to get 200 people. These animals get 5,000 all over the country. That poor doctor in Michigan, they say, well, there's no proof this was a hate crime. Well, unless she's got a jealous boyfriend, why did somebody stab her 35 times outside her house? And she ran the temple. What do you mean there's no proof that you have a jealous boyfriend? I'm fine. I'll buy that. But just to say there's no proof when a young, beautiful lady who runs the only temple in town gets stabbed 40 times? Do I have to be Inspector Clouseau? Come on, man. I need people to get pissed like me. All you guys are way too laid back. Watching football and going out for dinner and you just don't. Like, it don't mean nothing. It's not going to mean anything until I'm telling you it's coming to your neighborhood. It's coming. Then you're all going to wake up and say Sid was right. Thousands of people Friday night right down the, right across the street in front of Chuck Schumer's building. And then these animals walked to the U.N. and partied in bars the whole weekend in New York City. Drank our beer and liquor. They don't want to be here. They hate Jews. They hate Americans. But they're all over Bay Ridge. They're all over Bensonhurst. They packed the Gowanus, and we let them in and allow them to do that from the river to the sea. Eat me. Back after this.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I'm not going to take any questions this morning because we are going right into meetings on the events that have taken place on this tragic weekend. But I would like to make this statement. I know there are no words that can express our sorrow and grief over the loss of those splendid young men and the injury to so many others. I know there are no words also that can ease the burden of grief for the families of those young men. Likewise, there are no words to properly express our outrage, and I think the outrage of all Americans, at the despicable act following as it does on the one perpetrated several months ago in the spring that took the lives of scores of people at our embassy in that same city in Beirut. But I think we should all recognize that these deeds make so evident the bestial nature of those who would assume power if they could have their way and drive us out of that area that we must be more determined than ever that they cannot take over that vital and strategic area of the earth or, for that matter, any other part of the earth. Thank you. Joel, good night, Saigon. But, of course, the voice you heard before that was the man. I've had two great presidents in my lifetime. If God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. I've had two great presidents in my lifetime. One was Donald Trump. Hopefully he does it again in 2024. The other, that man, Ronald Reagan, 
And what he was talking about was 40 years ago today, 40 years ago today, as once again the world is on fire, was the barrack bombings in Beirut, Lebanon, which killed over 300 men, mostly American, the majority, overwhelming majority American, some French soldiers died too that day. And all of this because of the backing of Iraq, ironically, at the time. But Noam, you told us a story last week leading up to this 40-year commemoration today of that horrific day in Beirut that you were in Lebanon at that time, weren't you? Uh, put Noam on, uh, Lewis. I, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was sitting eating a falafel in Naharia, which is a border town to Lebanon, and... I remember seeing ambulance after ambulance coming by. I was a kid, but like one How after How old were another. you? Do you remember? Um, probably 11 or 12, okay. something like that. Yeah. So it was um, ambulance after ambulance coming by and knowing something had happened. And then, you know, no Internet, no, um, you, had, you know, you turn on the radio or the TV to figure out what was going on. So it was a little while till we had heard what happened. Um, you know, we didn't hear anything because it was pretty deep into Lebanon. But um, most of those victims were rushed to hospitals in Israel, the ones that survived. Wow. And what were you doing there again? <laughs> you know, my whole family lives there, so we, we used to vacation there a lot. We oh, still really? do. So we were there on a vacation visiting, you know, hanging out with cousins you, and You family. still visit in Lebanon? No, no, in the northern part, in the northern part of Israel. That's where my family lives. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So you're right. I mean, at the border of Lebanon. Yeah, basically. they're just, a few, you know, some of the families really less than a mile from the border. Yeah. Well, 40 years ago today was uh, that tragic day. And if you listened to the voice of Ronald Reagan, that was a leader. You know, he came off the plane, uh, the helicopter, and uh, was pouring. He was surrounded by people holding umbrellas. He looked great wearing his beige overcoat. And he just spoke like a leader. I mean, contrast Ronald Reagan's voice there with the mumbling, stumbling prick that spoke to the nation on Thursday night that wants a two-state solution and wants to, um, no matter how he finally blamed Iran after giving Iran whatever they wanted for years, so he's complicit in this, contrast those two voices. Joe Biden, who talks to dead people, has no idea where he is and uses the toughest word he's ever used is don't. Don't. Compared to Ronald Reagan. My God. And Reagan had just taken over when the hostage crisis had, right. had happened. Iran, think, right. Going back to Iran yeah. again. Oh, yeah. It was a, the Ayatollah Khomeini, yeah. the Shah, all those people. And, and they were scared to death of Reagan. They were not scared of the Democrat, Jimmy Carter, just like they're not scared of Democrats, Obama and Biden. But it's different. They're not scared of Obama and Biden because those guys pay them off. They pay them off like mobsters again protection money. I'm not even kidding you. But they were scared of Reagan, and they were scared of Trump. Reagan because he was going to blow that, that, that country sky high. Trump because he cut him off. There was no money. There was no money. 1,500 sanctions in Donald Trump's administration for the Iranians. That's equivalent to a sanction a day. How many for Biden? Zero. Zero. And Trump still killed Soleimani, still blew him into a thousand pieces. Do you see the contrast? You just don't care. It don't matter. Ah, it means nothing. It's fine. Everything's great. Giants won.
It's all great. Don't worry. They're just a bunch of screaming people in Bay Ridge. On, it don't mean nothing. It's fine. Well, they scored, good. They scored two touchdowns. It's... They did score two touchdowns. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor threw two touchdowns, which is something we have not seen from Danny Dimes $160 million later. So, yes, there were some, some huge positives. They, they look terrible. They're, they're awful. They're terrible you can't watch team. them. They're you can't watch no, them. No, they're unwatchable team. I mean, to see people in the stands <laughs> high-fiving oh and God. kissing each other. <laughs> any, any ball movement at all. Oh, my God. By the way, just to show up, you fat bastard, Jeez. in your stupid old Lawrence Taylor jersey, <laughs> for a 1-5 team on a windy, cold day against the Washington Commanders, just to show up. You're a loser. They break the plane of the goal. Oh, oh please. Yeah. Come on. No one loves the Giants more than me, but it was week one. Week one. In the rain against Dallas, I said to my kids, that's it. We're done. I have not asked Pete Morgan for another seat, and I won't. Now, Wednesday night, as angry as I am, oh, here we go. when the Knicks host the Celtics to start the NBA season, that's a whole new story. Actually, the NBA season starts tomorrow night. Two games, including LeBron James and the Lakers, but the Knicks and Nets both start their seasons on Wednesday. The Knicks will host the Celtics at Madison Square Garden, and the Nets will host the Cleveland Cavaliers in what is now Palestine, otherwise known as Brooklyn. <laughs> Got it. You keep Got laughing. It. You keep laughing, guys. Got you it. Keep you laughing. just said it in a funny way? That's well, funny. I know I did, because I'm a funny guy. But um, in that humor is a very dark message, and it ain't funny. Used to be Brooklyn. Now it's Palestine. Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. What happened to you tough Italians? What happened to all you tough mob guys, Shore Road and Bay Ridge? Just allow these, these animals to come in. Where were you on Saturday night? Forget about Eric Adams. I'm sick of hearing about Eric Adams. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear about it. Not Eric Adams or the police. Where's all my tough mafia guys in Bay Ridge? Please. You got tough with a guy who owes you $8,000 for a bad gambling weekend, but you got guys out there that want to kill every American. Get out there and do something good for the country. Jesus. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Elk here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion tankless.com to find a deal in there. You 
They're the world's best belt boilers. Got to start on the gridiron here at MetLife Stadium, where your New York football giants stun the division rival Washington Commanders by a score of 14 to seven to end their four-game losing skit. Tyrod Taylor starting for the second straight week with Daniel Jones sidelined with a neck injury. Chuck two second-quarter touchdown passes to Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. Taylor finished 18 of 29 for 279 yards. And the Giants' defense stifled Washington all day long, complete with a last-minute stand. That sealed the victory for New York. They move to 2-5 and five now overall for the year, while Washington falls to 3-4. and four. Week 7 will wrap up tonight in Minnesota between the 5-1 and one San Francisco 49ers and 2-4 and four Minnesota Vikings on a Monday night football kickoff. is set for 8.15 p.m., and the Niners go in as 6.5-point favorites. Over to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs with the LCS continued last night between the Rangers and Astros with the series now back in Houston. Nathan Ovaldi remained stellar on the bump this postseason. And Mitch Carver and John Heim homered early before a ninth inning grand slam by Adelise Garcia helped the Texas Rangers avoid elimination with a 9-2 win in Game 6. Now with things all knotted up at three games apiece, the decisive Game 7 is scheduled for in 8.03 p.m. first pitch tonight in Houston. As for the NLCS between the Diamondbacks and Phillies, the Phillies up three games to two. And back home in Philadelphia for six, uh, Game 6 tonight. We'll try and put Arizona away to punch their ticket to the World Series for the second straight year. First pitch set for 5.07 p.m. this evening on TBS. Phillies fans should be uh, excited coming off the big Eagles win last night on Sunday night football. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peer- uh, Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com, fund a deal in you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Famed defense attorney Arthur Idana this weekend. You can make this louder, Lewis. This song, brand new Rolling Stones called The Whole Wide World, is now his favorite song, Idana's favorite. Lou and uh, Justin, I have to tell you this. Uh, Mike Waller, he's now suspended from this show. It's a shame. I, I, you know, I like Mike. I love Mike Lauder. I loved yeah. him. He was on yeah. the show. He's suspended. That's sad. Yeah. Because That's of that. Uh... Well, you know, listen, first of all, I don't want to talk to any of these Congress people anymore. I really don't. What they're doing with this whole House thing, they're going to put a Democrat in there. They are. I'm telling you, Jeffries, who's a moron, he's going to end up running the whole damn deal. So all of them, Nancy Mace, I don't talk to her anymore. But but uh, Lawler not only uh, stabbed... um. What's his name? Uh, Jim Jordan in the back. But now, I saw a selfie this weekend of Laura with Jamal Bowman, who not that long ago, Laura was calling for censure, expulsion, for pulling the fire alarm. The two of them are yucking it up, taking pictures and smiling together on the way to Westchester Airport. Yeah, they look pretty tight, actually. 
big, big smiles for the both of them. I am so disappointed in Mike Lawler. He's suspended, and, and he needs to talk to me and tell me what the hell that was all about. Or okay. You can just go on with uh, Len and Mike or whoever he does. I don't care, CNN. Anyway, Audie Idol is here. Arthur, good morning. How are you? What's up, bro? I can, I, I can hear how, how you are. And um, first of all, let me just go back to the Stones thing. Think about it, Sid. Imagine you're at the top. You and I were the same age. We're at the top of our game at 80 years old. Because these guys came up with this album. I listened to it about 10 times this weekend. I mean, it's, it's not Exile on Main Street. But, I mean, it's, it's solid work at 80 years old. And they seem to be having a blast doing it. And I can only wish the same for me and you. you know, and that song, Whole Wide World, it's that whole wide world is against you. And, you know, when I'm representing Rudy Giuliani, who just had two of his co three of his co defendants plead guilty in Georgia, and two of them, at least, the two most well known ones, and the two who are lawyers, have agreed to cooperate against he and Mr. Trump. Well, you know, it does, it starts to feel like the whole wide world is against you. So, hence, when I'm. That that plea comes down on Friday, as does the Stones album, and this is like the third song on the album, and I'm like a fourth maybe, and I'm like listening to him like holy shoot, <laughs> and poor Rudy, I mean he's got as many, I think he actually has more, he does, he's got more cases coming against him than Donald Trump does because he's got the uh, some civil stuff going on and. You know, it's woof, the whole wide. It could feel like the whole wide world is against you. And then I listen to you this morning, and you—I mean—you realize uh, uh, LT could hit a golf ball from my house to where that protest was uh, on on Saturday. The guys from the NYPD actually gave me a heads up on Friday. They look, God, I don't know what you're planning on doing with your family, but at two o'clock, there's gonna be a lot of people in the ridge, uh, and you know they're not on your side of the aisle when it comes to this issue. So I, I we actually. <laughs> We had to go to a kid's birthday party, so we were not around. So I didn't see any of it at all. Um, but I do know that I think, what, 20-some-odd people were arrested, unlike the protests in Manhattan where I think nobody was arrested. But they they were fired up. They were lighting fires in the street. And oh, that's nothing. They, were, they, were, they actually sent fireworks at the cops, threw water at the cops, threw bottles at the cops. They thought they were back in Gaza, these animals. So John Shell, who was the NYPD chief of patrol, and Kaz Daughtry, the NYPD assistant commissioner, will both join me coming up live at 8.40 this morning because I got that type of juice. I talked to the mayor as soon as that whole rally went down. But on a serious note, these animals went after the cops. They were yelling and screaming to eradicate Israel. They they want to kill Israelis and Jews. I mean, Shell's a Bay Ridge guy, so he he definitely... he definitely. Uh, well, how do you know, guys? How do all you tough guys? All you, all my mob buddies in Shore Road and all those guys. You guys just don't care. You, you know, you're gonna rub up a, a young a guy because he can't pay five thousand dollars this week for a stupid football bet. But you're okay with Palestinians screaming murder to the Jews and Americans in the streets? Man, you guys are embarrassing. First and foremost, sir, I, I was never part of those you guys. No, whatever. Okay? You hang out with that all of them. You and, that was you and all your boys <laughs> up there in Dyker Heights, okay? I was, <laughs> I was tap dancing on the stage of Poly Prep <laughs> when you guys were playing Stratomatic, okay? Yeah, all night true. long, all afternoon long, okay? That's Take true. it easy with that. Uh, listen, it's, it's, sad, it's sad and it's scary. I mean, it's look, you know who I run with. All my best friends are Jewish. My law partners are Jewish. It's insane. I never thought I would see this. I had, I never thought I would. This is how ignorant I am at 55 years old. I never thought I would see this kind of hate uh, blocks away from my house. 
and blocks away from my law office. But you shouldn't be. But you shouldn't be surprised, Audie. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be surprised because I keep telling everybody the same thing. Look, November twenty twenty four is. I know we keep saying this, but maybe the most important election of our lifetimes. We've got to get Biden out of there. We got to get Trump back. Bottom line. But on a serious note, for New York City, we're a month away. We're less. Excuse me, less than a month away in races that are much more important to people like you and Bay Ridge, and that is the council races. When I read Justin Brannon, that lowlife, his uh, Facebook, I know he's a friend of yours, and, and that's shame on you and Chris Olivero, but when that Listen, idiot... You know him a lot longer than I do. You're, you're I, I, I don't care, he's a scumbag. I know him for a long time. I used to like him. He's a lowlife. When he's on Facebook actually talking about, once again, well, you know, uh, we don't we don't encourage any of this, but, 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 you know, the Israelis, the Palestinians, I don't want to hear about the Palestinians. I don't want to hear about them. We don't have people that are pro-Israel in the streets of Brooklyn throwing bottles at cops. We don't do stuff like that. I don't want to hear about both sides right now. One side went into Israel and killed everybody, and one side has taken over our streets with violent protests, and none of those people are Jewish. None of them. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> you, know, when, you know, when you're a good lawyer, sometimes you don't just want to shut up. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to... You know, I mean, well, I guess not, I rest my argue. case, counselor. No, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I, you know, I know how I feel about this. I think it's it's horrible. It's insane. And I know, I know, this is what you don't want to hear. But you know, you bring me on to tell you both sides of the story. In the neighborhood of Bay Ridge, I know you're going to say this is crazy, but it's not. There are some Palestinian people that think what happened over there is absolutely atrocious. Yeah, five, absolutely horrible. Yeah, five out of five thousand, great. Okay, buy well, him dinner tonight. Know, Take him out to Tommaso's tonight. Buy him dinner. Every, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know what population it is, but you know, when you talk about Justin Brandon, there is a Palestinian population at Bay Ridge, unlike in in probably Bronxville, uh, you know, New York. And screaming from the uh, the sea to whatever the hell they say these animals oh, eradicate the Israel. From the river to the sea. Right. Uh, no, is it to the river to the sea? Yes. To the sea? River know. to the sea, blow me, is what I said this morning. Where are your friends that, that, that are Palestinians that are so ashamed of it? They're sitting Listen, inside they're their afraid. house doing nothing. Listen, I got, I've got calls from the cops for me to stay away. Could you imagine going there and, 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 and they're spitting in cops' faces and throwing water on them? You know, I, I, there's fear. There's, I, there's fear. I mean... God bless my Jewish brothers in Borough Park. They'll take them on with their with their black coats and all that. They're they're ready for for war. I mean, they're, they're not joke. The Hasidic guys who I'm tight with, they're like Arthur. This could just letting you know this could be the beginning of World War Three because they are not fooling around. Man. They are not taking this lying down. They're not going to let another Holocaust happen. And you know what I say? Good for them. Like good for them. God, I go go get it. I said, let me know what you need. The first calls I made. The truth said was the first calls I made was to my friends who are obviously Jewish guys who walk around in yarmulkes and, and who are Hasidic. I said, look, if something crazy goes on, I said, I have a house out in Long Island. If you need to go hide there, you know, I'll tell you how to get there. And there's a code to get in. And they were like, thank you, Walter. You're such a mensch. And the fact that those words were coming out of my mouth, said brought like tears to my eyes. I mean, I never thought in New York where we got more Jews than anywhere We'd have this problem. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And you know, you want to talk about Trump being president? He got you know to be a lawyer for a second. The thing about Chesbro, who's a lawyer, a Harvard-educated lawyer, pleading guilty, and Sidney Powell pleading guilty with agreements to cooperate against Trump and Georgia. 
in a case where there's a mandatory minimum jail sentence of five years if you're convicted, and any president of the United States cannot pardon him. It's a state case. It is not a federal case. The only one who could give him any relief would be the governor of the state of Georgia. So people are like, oh, if he gets convicted, he'll just pardon himself. No, you're wrong. He can't do that. He can't do that. Biden couldn't pardon him. Nobody could pardon him on a federal level. It's got to be a state person who's got to pardon him or commute his sentence. So, like, it's a real deal. It's not like a joke. And Chesbro, the lawyer who just pled guilty, he's also an unindicted co-conspirator in the Washington, D.C. case, where Giuliani's also an unindicted co-conspirator. So this guy could could be a, uh, testifying against President Trump in both cases, and he's no slouch, okay? He's not some guy, as you said, shaking people down for $5,000 on Shore Road. This is a Harvard-educated lawyer who was involved with arguing Bush v. Gore, you know, years ago. I mean, he's not, he's not like you're going to be able to cross-examine him about his criminal record. So, you know, th- th- there's real problems here. You couple that with the bullshit going on. Oops, I cursed. With this crap going on <laughs> Good stuff. in Congress. Yeah. In Congress. It's yeah. like, what is going on in this country? And, you know, I know you talk about your two favorite presidents, but my favorite era, okay, forget about presidents, was, and it was you and I were in prime time, was when Giuliani was the mayor and Clinton was the president. Everyone was sitting involved with that tech boom. People were making money. Giuliani cleaned up the streets. Those years right there. Oh, those were good years. So those were the, the, listen, the mid to, the mid to the late nineties were good, but Clinton, Bill, who I still like for some reason, uh, it was bound to happen. You know, he allowed all this mortgage nonsense to go on. Someone was going to pay the price for that. People have made a lot of money, dot-coms and mortgages, but eventually it was going to come back to bite us. And your friend Bill Clinton let Osama bin Laden go not once, not I twice, know. but three times. Yeah. So I'm poor aware. George Bush wasn't the smartest uh, guy on the, you know, a bulb on the tree. He comes into office. He's sitting there in a school in Florida reading a bunch of books. And all the stuff that Clinton allowed to happen came back to bite him. So, yes, it was I, great. You, listen, your boy George Bush has come out of retirement, and he's basically echoing exactly your sentiments. I don't want to hear about a truth. Uh, uh, to uh, state solution. He's like, I don't want to hear anything. I want to hear them that would just take it out on Hamas. I don't want to hear yeah. anything else. He goes, this is a black and white issue. Get rid of them, take them out. And look, if there's any army in the world who's equipped to do it, I give it to the Israelis. Yeah, I agree. Hey, what a great t- spot. See, this is why you're amazing, because at 645 in the morning, you're like me. You're, you already sound like you did your show at uh, 6 o'clock tonight. So great <laughs> job. Me, by the way, since, since you brought that up, Sid, you know, every night I've done Israel, every single night I've done Israel. And some people are like, come on, Art, you know, there's stuff, other stuff going on in the world. It's New York. And I go, yeah, it's New York. It's Israel. Are you kidding me? Oh, this is this, not, not many things that are much more important. I know Sid Rosenberg talking about the migrants. The mi- I, I, I talk about you all the time on my show. The migrants, the migrants, the migrants. I go, we haven't heard about the migrants in weeks now. No. Because in my opinion, there's no comparison between trying to wipe people off the planet Earth because of their nationality, their religion, their beliefs then, okay, we got to find places. No, that's true, but I will say this, because Curtis is about to come on, and I do still cover the illegals. I don't call them migrants with him. The right, only the, Where those two stories do intersect, Arthur, is that a lot of these illegals, the gotaways, the sneak-ins, they got all these cute little nicknames included in the very nice Venezuelans and Hondurans and all these people are going to be killers. 
So, yes, it, it, the two stories do intersect when a bunch of Hamas people run across the border and are living right now somewhere in New York City ready to attack next. That's the that's why I do bring it up, because those two stories will intersect when, in fact, we have a terror attack here. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But I love you. Thank you. Great job this morning. Thank you so much. All right, brother. You're the best. Keep it up. You're Keep the best. Up. Thank you. you that's a great defense attorney, dear friend of mine. I do love him dearly. A man, Arthur Idala. That wraps up a pretty spirited hour number one. It's only Monday. You got a big hour number two to come. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry. Don't forget, Nate Buzolik, big-time actor, over 3 million followers. He's going to join us live from Los Angeles coming up at 8. And we go live to Israel in the 9 o'clock hour with JNS star Carolyn Glick, who was amazing with Larry Kudlow over the weekend. All that and more, hour number two of the Monday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, about to come your way. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We swore we'd always remember. No retreat, baby, no surrender. Curtis Saliva, my partner in crime the last couple of months, gets great ratings every weekday afternoon from noon to one. Great ratings overnights on the weekend as well. But arguably does his best work with me at this time every weekday morning. And he's on every weekday morning because he's great. But I did uh, play audio earlier from Ronald Reagan. I've made it clear a thousand times on this show, the two best presidents in my lifetime, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Today happens to be the 40-year commemoration, I don't use the word anniversary, 40-year commemoration of the Beirut barrack bombings, where about 300-plus Americans and French soldiers died. And I thought Reagan's response was a lot better than anything I've heard from Joe Biden for example, over the last two and a half years. But Curtis, being the history maven that he is, he's a brilliant guy, Curtis. You are, you're going to take a shot at my guy, Ronald Reagan. Right. And remember, I named the Republican clubs I run now, the Ronald Reagan Republican clubs in Astoria, North Shore of Staten Island, and over in Thrive. So Neck. while you're about to, to bash Reagan, and maybe you have a good reason, is he your favorite president of all time? Yes. Yes, he is. He is. In my lifetime. In my lifetime. 
But let's get to the uh, bombing of our barracks in Beirut. Right next to the airport, you had the Marines in one barracks. You had the French down the road in the other barracks. We had invaded Lebanon. There was a civil war. Christians versus Muslims. There was the green light in Beirut. We were going to stop it. We had battleships offshore. They were firing. They were firing uh, um, the size of Volkswagen bombs yeah. at the enemy. It's true. And the Muslims said, okay, we'll get you. You're siding with the Christians. And they planned this attack, the beginnings of Hezbollah. They took out the two barracks. What was Ronald Reagan's retaliation? Retreat. Is that right? Yep. Retreat, brought all the troops out. The French brought all the troops out, left uh, Lebanon in chaos. I was at a time, remember, Yasser Arafat and the PLO were hijacking planes and holding hostages. Seems like we've gone full circle. Right back to where we were, maybe even worse. In fact, uh, ironically, back then, uh, Lebanon came after us because we were actually starting with Iraq. Boy, things have changed. Oh, yeah. Friends, foes. Like Muammar Gaddafi. One minute he's our friend, then he's well, our Well, he was Libya. Right. But one thing they have in common, they always hated Jews. Whether they were our friends or foes, they always hated Jews. Now, we did retaliate years later. We had a truck bomb ourselves, put it right in the lap of some sheikh who was the leader of Hezbollah at that time. We didn't get him. We took out 80 of their members, and they actually sent a message to our CIA. They were still in Beirut. They said, uh, we got your letter. We got the message. We got your letter. We got them, which meant we were willing to do the same thing that they were willing to do. But we didn't keep it up. We didn't keep it up. And now, what did I tell you? Today was your final date. The IDF prepares for the invasion of Gaza. Didn't I give you the countdown? They should have been invading by today, but they're being held back. So every day they're being held back. By Biden, of all people, by Biden. Biden. And the rest of the world, let's be honest. The rest of the world does not want the IDF to go in there and finish the job. There is also, there is also, in all fairness, it is Biden and the rest of the world. Uh, If you really look at this from a tactical standpoint, let's be honest, this is going to be brutal. There's 300 miles of tunnel. They're only two feet wide with snipers and booby traps, and there's 222 hostages that are Israeli and American that are trying to get out. So when you combine all those issues, it may be that Israelis really need more time to gather more intelligence. You don't buy that. You don't have time. You don't have time. The world is already turning against you. You don't have time. It's like you had Arthur Idella. He's talking about Bay Ridge. Uh, let me tell you something, Arthur. You who know nothing outside of Bay Ridge... 150 people got arrested Friday night right outside of the offices at WABC because they were targeting their demonstrations at Schumer and at Gillibrand. And let me tell you something. They were not Arabic or Palestinians. They were white kids with kafirs on, some of them with yarmulkes on, self-hating Jews who were screaming, Jews for Hamas, Jews for the Palestinians, Jews for justice. So I don't want to hear this crap. Oh, there were no arrests in Manhattan. These people have organized, they've out-organized the Jews. And when you ask the question in Bay Ridge, why didn't all the Gabons come out from 3rd Avenue? Because, you know, 5th Avenue is little Ramallah for the Christian Arabs, and it's little Palestine for the Christian, for the Muslim Arabs. They didn't come out because it's Jews. You understand, Sid? They don't see American flags. You have to have American flags in your rallies. An attack on the Jews is an attack on America. You do that. And you're going to have more Gavones out there with, uh, that cover your back. I'm not even sure they'll come out anyway. They're worried about the Ohio State, Penn State on Saturday. They're worried about the Dolphins and Eagles last night. They got business to do. But, but, 
uh, on a serious note about the, the Jews and the American flags and the Gentiles, you and my wife, Danielle, yes. have been making the point for weeks, specifically you, that these parades, these parades, I'm sorry, these rallies, the pro-Israel rallies, you'll be lucky to get 100 people. You'll be lucky. And these Palestinian rallies, they're getting upwards of 5,000, 3,000. Forget about outside this country. Yemen, 30,000. Jordan, 30,000. They are out uh, doing us in a big, big way. And you've made the point, so did Danielle, that the only way to match it is if Jews and caring, heartfelt Gentiles work together. Is that a real possibility? Absolutely, absolutely. I work with you on putting together a rally. I think we we conflate it with the election of Ari Kagan over Justin Brannon. Justin Brannon, Arthur Idella's friend, might as well put a kafia on and a shmata on his head. Did you hear his weak response? Well, you know, no, I, read, I read the Facebook page. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Whose side are you on, right? You couldn't tell. He certainly seemed sympathetic towards the Palestinians as well. And I keep saying, folks, this is not the time for that. Israel did not go into Palestine, which doesn't exist, you morons, and start killing people, innocent people, Sid. on a holiday morning. Sid. One side did the murders here, folks. They don't deserve our Sid. sympathy right now. Who are they voting for? They're voting for Democrats. Justin Brennan. Yeah, Justin Brennan, who's been their friend. So not Ari Kagan. So that's why we're going to work to get Ari Kagan elected. We'll have a rally. I'll discuss that with you off this. But look at how you have traitors amongst you. Look at that Mike Lawler that you mentioned. He takes a selfie with Jamal Bowman, who hates Israel, hates Jews. There have been 28 machas out there in Scarsdale. They went to Rye. I don't think there's a Jew in all of Rye, Westchester. They're all wise. <laughs> they go to George Latimer's house, right? He's the county said, please, primary Bowman. He hates Israel. He hates Jews. And who's sitting there taking a selfie with a big smile on his face? Mike Lawler. Well, I suspended him this morning. What else do you want me to do? No, no, no. But I mentioned, you see, I, that's why I say don't trust any politicians. And I know what these cops are going to tell you coming on. Oh, these were all outside agitators. Let me tell you something. You know I have guardian angels in Bay Ridge. I have some Arabic guardian angels right on Fifth Avenue. Intel is not listening to phone calls, satellites, and these freaking drones of your friend, Eric Adams. Boots on the ground. They amassed on 5th Avenue, they were told to disperse at 72nd and 5th because they wanted to go over to the offices of Nicole Maliotakis on 3rd Avenue. Is that right? Yeah. M Nicole is smart. She's on 3rd Avenue, not 5th right, Avenue. Right, She's by the mob, guys. So they actually targeted her office? They were going to go over there, and that's when the cops said, no, no, you got to disperse. And that's when they got really rowdy. And they're going to say they're all outside agitators. Let me tell you something. That is the largest Arabic-speaking population in New York City. It's been that way before World War One. Got to know your history. The Syrians are all over Atlantic Avenue, and it comes right on down to Fifth Avenue. All they had to do is come out of their house, put their kafias on, and then demonstrate in yeah, the streets. I, I feel like not just Bay Ridge, but not far away. Uh, when I take the Gowanus, for example, in the morning on the way to the bridge or the tunnel, I feel like that's a heavily populated... Yeah, they call it Pally Boys and Pally Girls. Right. So, yeah. so, so, it is, so you're saying that you're pretty sure, and I always agree I with know you. It. You know for a fact those 5,000 people, some city officials told me they came from the oh, city. Yeah, they're always outside right. agitators. They're right. from there. They're from there. Absolutely. They don't have to. They could just come right out of their house. They're all there along Fifth Avenue. They've been there before World War One. It's a huge Arabic-speaking population. Now, does it mean that the majority were in favor? 
No, but if you notice, there were young people, the sons and daughters, the grandchildren were out there because now it's cool, it's hip. Yeah, and by the way, they were throwing bottles and they were throwing uh, firecrackers and fireworks at the cops. They were screaming, eradicate Israel. They were chanting that disgusting chant. Anybody who chants from the river to the sea should be put in prison right away. Eric Adams, if you're listening, you hear anybody say, that's a Hamas chant. That's a Hamas chant. What are they going to give all the Jews here a chant? to uh, seek asylum seeker status in Boca Raton first before they wipe them out. <laughs> They'll kill them and hey, push them in the sea. I'm actually thinking about going back. I, I know, swear but, to God. But, but, well, we got too much work here. So okay, you're, no, fine. you're not cutting and running. I'm sorry. And, and let me just make mention is every day that Israel delays is another day that the world sides against Israel. Their marches out there. They're better organized. Where are the young people? The last rally, I had to listen to Chuck Schumer for 15 minutes. Do you think any young people want to stand around in Times Square listening to that schmuck, that putz, that pisher, that schmenzik? Oh, my God. It's like listening to your grandfather that you want to put in a closet. And it's it's ironic to me that the rally Friday night takes place, as you said, right outside the studios with directly across the street from Chuck Schumer's offices, when, to be honest, I never felt in my life that Chuck Schumer gave a rat's ass about the Jewish people or Israel. He happens to be Jewish, but to me, he's Jewish like Bernie Sanders and Ron Kobe. And, and, and by the way, it was pouring rain. Remember I sent you the video? I was right in the middle of, sleep, get the hell out of here. I said, who's, I mean, time the cops, he's like, it's like, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. Ever since your, your friend, Eric Adams, signed that agreement that the cops have to keep their hands off of demonstrators when he gave money to Black Lives Matter and Antifa, I'm saying, I'm looking at the cops. What are you guys doing? Well, we're not permitted to touch them. It's like cops, when they come across demonstrators now, it's like Superman with kryptonite. I said, come on, man, push them back, push them back. It's pouring rain, right? I'm talking trash to them. And the cops are like, well, we can't do anything. You know, Eric Adams signed that consent decree order that doesn't allow us to put our hands on any demonstrators. And God forbid, I'll be walking to beaten Coney Island right there on the boardwalk at 3 in the morning for the 60th precinct. You gotta have human intel on the ground. Knock off this nonsense with robots and drones and listening to conversations because they're lying on the phone purposely. Get your boots on the ground. Those 5,000 that you saw advocating the end of Israel, the extinction of Israel, Jews for Hamas. We're right from that area. And then Arthur Idalia, all oh, my boys from Borough Park and Black Hats and Black Hats. Well, where were they? Borough Park is 13th Avenue. My geography says that was 5th Avenue. Oh, it was Shabbos. Oh, you know. Hey, no, 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 no. It was already dark. It was already dark when they decided not to listen to the cops to disperse. They wanted to march over to Nicole Maliotakis' office on 3rd Avenue and bum rush it, even though nobody was there. So NYPD and the rest of you, time to get your boots on the ground. Time to get tough. No surrender. No retreat, Eric Adams. And Arthur Idalia and the rest of you appeasers. Is sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. 
So true, funny how it seems, always in time, but never in line for dreams. Head over heels, when toe to toe, this is the sound. Spandau Ballet, true, 7.38 on your Monday morning, but a great show already. Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, a lot more to come. Got a special guest coming up at 8.10. His name is Nate Buzolik. Guy is a big-time actor out of Australia. And if you like those, uh, like, vampire diaries like Danielle likes and Supernatural, he's done all those. He's a big-time actor, 3.2 million followers on Instagram. He's not Jewish. He's Croatian. But he is a, a huge voice in the Jewish community. He's good friends with my good buddy Danny A. Danny A., of course, uh, put me in his movie Inside Man, which was Gemini Lounge. Danny played Roy DeMeo. And, in fact, uh, Nate was in the show Pretty Little Liars, or Pretty Little Lies, or whatever it's called there, I'm sorry, with Lucy Hale. And uh, she played bartender with me in the movie Inside Man. I think it's... Liars. Pretty little, Pretty little liars. liars. Yes. So the show. Yes. Yeah. So he's going to join me at 810, which Lowry, as he does every Monday coming up at 740, we're going to bring on uh, two members, two big members of the NYPD coming up at 840. We're going to talk to both the NYPD Chief of Patrol, John Shell, and the NYPD Assistant Commissioner, Kaz Daughtry. And talking about the police, this is a big week for WABC for the cops, because coming up in just two days, our annual Back the Blue event, I think the mayor is coming for that. So I'll talk to those two guys coming up, 9-10. She's awesome. Live from Israel, JNS Caroline Glick on the latest. It looks like the ground incursion by the Israelis is just moments away, and that may set the whole world on fire. And then I think Bernie Kosar is going to join me at 9.30, former amazing championship quarterback for the Miami Hurricanes, a Pro Bowl quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, won a Super Bowl ring backing up Troy Aikman in Dallas, and, of course, did a great job backing up Dan Marino two years with Miami. But he made the news this weekend. Why? Taylor Swift. What was that all about, uh, Noam Layden? Bernie Kosar? He should have been at the uh, Browns-Colts game. Why was he at Kansas City Chargers? But it turns out he's buddies with Taylor Swift. Who knew? Did you know that? I did not know. But he was there. He texted me this morning. He'll join me at 930. You know, quickly, Friday afternoon, when I left the show, the last show I did, you guys remember, I ran over to the Second Avenue Deli, and I met the Lebelwall family, the dad, I think his name is Abe, and uh, his two sons, Jeremy and Josh. God, they're great kids. Great kids. And he's a terrific guy. I enjoyed him immensely. And I had a great lunch at the Second Avenue Deli. But, of course, I was there because some of these animals drew swastikas on the deli a couple nights before. So uh, Mr. Power Express, a guy that's increasingly quickly becoming one of my best friends, Keith Kantowitz, I love him dearly, set up this whole day there. And we had uh, Councilwoman Jen Rajkumar. We had, um, you know who I love? I love Mike Kemper. Mike Kemper works 
transit for Eric Adams. His wife was there. She's a terrific Ellie. You had uh, the chief of staff, Faraj Kamar, Viola, Governor Patterson, my man, Big Mark Oranger, George Kalinsky. You know George Kalinsky, the very famous photographer, yes. New York Post? Yep, that's right. And they all showed up. And, uh, you know, Tim McCarthy, who used to be the program director here at WABC and created ESPN in New York, sent me a text on Friday night and said, hey, you look great. I saw you on the news on Channel 2. I didn't see any of it. I know that Channel 2, Channel 5, and Channel 11 were at the deli that day, but according to Tim McCarthy, he saw me on Channel 2. So He's talking to you, you, man. McCarthy I think McCarthy just, is talking to me, yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then we went uh, after that day. I told you Friday night we were going to Temple. Danielle joined the West End Temple by my house for a Shabbos dinner, which I haven't done in years since Dove Hyken had us at his house in the uh, Five Towns years ago. And that was lovely. The rabbi there, Rebecca Epstein, did a great job, and Gene and Stacy, and we sang Jewish songs. And, you know, Norm, I looked at Danielle and I said, the night before, these poor Jewish people were massacred. And remember, those 5,000 animals in Bay Ridge on Saturday night, they were happy about it. They were happy about it. Screaming from the river to the sea, eradicate Israel. They were happy about it. But those poor people the night before... We're doing exactly what we're doing now on a kibbutz. We're in a temple, but on a kibbutz. Doing the prayers, the hamotzi for the bread, baropari hagapen for the wine, singing Jewish songs. It was lovely. And the next morning they were slaughtered, raped, and murdered in their own homes. And that really uh, put everything in its proper perspective on Friday night. So I was so happy we did that. Proud of my wife, Danielle, and I believe, no, yeah. We're going back to shul this Saturday morning. You're so. kidding. Look I you. told you, Hamas brought the Jew out in me, baby. I'm going to go to shul. I'm going to fight these animals in the street. I don't care. Should I get you a sit-in friends in the morning kippah? You should. Sit-in friends wear. in the morning kippah. Sit-in friends in the morning talit. <laughs> sit-in friends in the morning tzitzis. <laughs> and maybe a sit-in friends in the morning nine millimeter. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God knows I may need it one of these days. So, no, I'm tired of it. So it was a great day. Second Avenue, Delhi, Friday afternoon, Temple on Friday night. Because I am Jewish, and I'm proud. Now I felt badly I wanted to be Italian all these years. Because the Italians really came up short in Bay Ridge on Saturday night. All you tough guys. Oh, you're so tough. Sat in your houses and watched Miami Clemson while my people were being yelled and screamed at, eradicate Israel, you're watching Miami Clemson because you got to worry about your side. Come on, guys. Step it up for my people. Please, everybody in New York, step it up. It does matter. It's here. It's not coming here. It's here. So you can act like it ain't going to happen and go to dinner in Bay Ridge and go see Audie Dollar and Robbie Sabah, have a nice veal parmesan on 3rd Avenue and watch the football and act like nothing's going on. And you're going to see, you're going to see, I'm telling you, I am telling you, they're here. And in big numbers. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
So Noam, you happen to be right. I love this song, Talking Heads. You happen to be right, you former Miami Hurricane, Cleveland Brown, Dallas Cowboy, Miami Dolphin, great quarterback Bernie Kosar was with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey last night. And we're going to be the first people to find out why coming up at 9.30 after Carolyn Glick live from Jerusalem. But we put this time aside every Monday morning for my man. He's the editor of the National Review. You see him everywhere, NBC, Politico. A lot of his stuff is syndicated right here in the New York Post. One of the smartest and nicest guys you'll ever meet, but a warhawk. He makes Lindsey Graham look like a peacekeeper. It's my good friend, Rich Lowry. Good morning, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) The cardiac kids bringing back memories with the great Bernie Kosar. Yeah, they were actually the cardiac kids before him with a guy named Brian Seip. But Bernie did take over. And what was amazing is Brian Seip uh, was the quarterback for the Browns. People don't realize this. He was the very first ever quarterback for the New Jersey Generals, a football team that oh. Donald Trump owned oh, in yeah. New Jersey. Herschel, was Herschel, Herschel Walker on that team, right? Yes, they drafted Herschel afterwards, but they also drafted a quarterback who replaced Brian Seip, his name, Doug Flutie. Oh, wow, right. Uh, yes. Right, you're they, correct. They had yeah. consecutive Heisman Trophy Award winners start their uh, pro football careers did Flutie, did with the Generals. Did Flutie go to the... Patriots in the NFL? Oh, he played for the Bears, Patriots. In fact, he played one game against Cunningham and the Eagles for the Bears that was called the Fog Bowl. You couldn't see the ball for more than two yards. I remember it. Yeah. 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 Not that I follow this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very jealous of Bernie Kosar, Taylor Swift. I mean, she's almost as famous as the Beatles. She's, I think she's surpassed Elvis Presley and, and is gaining on the Beatles. It's, it's hard to overcome the Beatles, but she's getting closer. You know, as crazy as that statement sounds, it's not crazy. She is that mm-hmm. immense. She's immense. So we'll get to that. The Chiefs are now just one of two teams in the NFL, 6-1. and one. They beat the Chargers yesterday. The Eagles are 6-1. and one. They beat Miami and the 49ers. Have a chance to become the third 6-1 and one team tonight when they'll take on the Vikings in Minnesota. Monday Night Football. But today happens to be, Rich Lowry, the history man that you are, the 40-year commemoration of those bombings in Beirut. And even though Curtis Sliwa came on yeah. and said that Reagan retreated and that kind of left Lebanon to where we are today, uh, Iran was the country behind those bombings, mm-hmm. and Iran is still terrorizing the world 40 years later. Pretty I mean, pretty remarkable that 40 years ago it was Iran, and today Iran has their fingerprints on everything. Yeah, and, and, and are still getting away with it, basically, right? I mean, we, we've had sanctions over time. They really bit when Trump was president. Then uh, Biden let them start selling oil again, and we'll barely mention them. You know, he did it. Uh, there was one sentence, right, in the Oval Office address. Otherwise... You know, they're they're the puppet master. They're the one you can really hit that you think might it might make a difference. I mean, if we said, if anything, if these hostages aren't released tomorrow, you know what? Some nuclear reactors and a bunch of refineries are are blowing up. You might get results, but it's it's too painful to do that, too risky to do that. At least that's what everyone in power thinks. So they basically get away with it. It's unbelievable. So what do you think? What do you think of uh, where we are? We're now 16 days removed from the initial. Uh, uh, attacks on these poor Israeli people. It's, you know, it's um, it's a lot quicker. We we kept hearing from people that, you know, sooner than later, the world is going to turn their backs on Israel and 
all the um, you know all the sympathy they've got today is going to go away. I mean, it is long gone. We had a rally in Bay Ridge. You're in New York, guy. Yeah. Five thousand yeah. of these animals that were calling for the eradication of Israel killed the Jews. They wanted nothing to do with peace. Nothing to do with peace. Five thousand, hundred and fifty arrests in Manhattan the night before, right across the street. I mean, it is. It is unbelievable what's going on in our country. The hatred for the Jewish people is alive and well. Yeah, and that hospital lie, that debacle, just shows how eager so many people are to believe the worst sort of deception about Israel. Everyone I know, immediately when that story came out, was like, "Eh, you better wait. (laughs) You better wait. But they couldn't bring themselves to do it, including the New York Times. And, you know, eventually Israel is going to accidentally hit a hospital, right? And it just shows what's going, yeah. to, what's going to happen. So it's been very depressing, and I think Israel is grappling with the, the true difficulty. You know, we all kind of thought after that horrific October 7th attack, you know, they're, they're in on the ground the next day, and this is it. But it's much harder than that. And uh, the problem is the, the leadership of Hamas is sitting in, you know, they're not in Gaza City. They're sitting in some four- or five-star hotel and Qatar. So right. You, you wipe them out in Gaza City, they're still there. Right. They're in Qatar. They're probably in Egypt, too. Who knows? But, yeah, they just send these morons out who believe they're going to die and go to 72 virgins, these morons. And uh, they're ready. They got snipers. They got booby traps. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, Israel's listening to Biden and doing all that. But the truth is, it's a very treacherous operation. And going back to Biden, I can't believe, Rich, how many people applauded this guy, Britt Hume, on Fox News. I was watching it live, and that liberal putz, Harold Ford Jr., there were two things he said in that speech that you should never, ever, ever say anything nice about Biden again. One was two-state solution. Did October 7th not prove beyond a shadow of a doubt Mm -hmm. these people are not capable or worthy, even the nice ones, of a two-state solution? And secondly, right in front of the country, he admits on Thursday night, Iran is part of this. Yeah. And yet, yet, he's giving them billions of dollars. He's yeah. loosening oil sanctions. That means if he admits Iran is part of it, he's complicit. Do you understand yeah, that? And then, you can, then you can add a couple more. The idea that Hamas doesn't have popular support. I mean, they are elected in 2006. Yeah, they're horrible terrorists, so they haven't had another election. But there's zero, zero evidence that this is a, a minority government or, or one that hasn't enjoyed broad popular support in Gaza, which just might be another one of these truths that are just too difficult to admit. And then the idea, you know, that after September 11th, th- this country was just in this uh, terrible, ir- irrational, uh, emotional reaction, when, when what we did is capture a bunch of terrorists, interrogate them, and take down the regime in Afghanistan as an initial matter. Then we have Iraq, which is another, another question. But the idea that, that, that all that is like an object lesson that should never be repeated by any other country that is the victim of a horrible terror attack, that also is a smear. So with everything going on in the world today, clearly the, the Israel conflict war, which is going to end up involving who knows how many countries, who knows I mean, the whole Middle East, the United States, who knows? Then you've got this Ukraine-Russia conflict. Then you've got the real possibility of China-Taiwan, such to the point that there are House Republicans looking to give money to Taiwan today. Then you've got the atrocities going on in Africa. Then you've got our own country, still very high inflation. The economy's a mess. Interest rates are through the roof. Gas prices are about to go up. Racial incidents in the street almost every day. Hate everywhere i mean is there a better time 
than right now for Donald Trump to win back the White House? Or am I, is, is the hate for him so much, this ridiculous syndrome that all these things don't matter? All these things? No, I think he easily could win. And this is one reason you have Trump nostalgia, according to the polls, where his approval rating now in retrospect is higher than it was when he was in office. He asked people, did, did he do more or has Biden done more good things for the country? And there's a poll about a month ago said Trump has. So the, these are the, the maximal conditions where he can come back and win again. And he didn't mention Biden's age, which is obviously hugely important background noise to all, all this uh, all these events, but it's going to be a crazy, it's going to be a crazy year next year. And just one indication of it was this gag order. You know, you had a federal judge presuming to determine what Donald Trump could say and not say about highly uh, political and inherently political matters, you know, like on, on January 6th or attacking the special counsel. It just shows they've entangled them in this, uh, the, these indictments and these court cases in a way that's that's just going to create conditions you should never have in a free society. If a judge has to write an order saying, oh, by the way, you can still uh, criticize the current administration that uh, about a leading presidential candidate, that order never should have been written. I couldn't agree more. Jack Manzo, my friend down in New Jersey, who introduced uh, Jack Cittarelli, who nearly beat Phil Murphy in the governor race, writes this to me. And he's not the first to write it, but it makes the most sense as we close up this conversation, Rich. If Hamas lay down their guns today, the war would be over. Yep. If the Israelis laid down their guns today, Israel and the Jews would be wiped out, destroyed, and killed. Can any one of these 5,000 effing animals in Bay Ridge deny that? That is 1,000% true. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? They're like, oh, that's good, because Israel is a colonial state and deserves to be extricated and driven into the sea. I mean, that's what they chant, right? That's what they yeah. basically yeah. chant. So if they have the opportunity, it, what they did in the, the southernmost tip of Israel or, or around Gaza is what they would do to the entire state. It would be this medieval act of total uh, destruction, rape, and rapine if they had the ability. And that's why, why Israel – uh, that's why Israel was created in the first place. They never once had it happen again, yeah. and and why, um, as we've, we've seen, the two-state solution is a is a fantasy, and it's all about the creating the maximal conditions for its own defense. That's what it has to do. My wife Danielle makes a great point. She goes, "A vote for Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris because he ain't going to make it." Let's be honest. Yeah. He's eighty. He's a mess. He's a horrible president. In fact, Bill O'Reilly made a great case this morning. He's the worst of all time. But even uh, if you hate Trump so much, you're thinking about voting for him. He ain't going to make it. He's not going to see 86. So you vote for him. You vote for Kamala Harris. And with the, the shape the world is in right now, could you imagine this giggling moron trying to fix things around the world? This yeah. giggling moron who slept away to the top by banging the mayor in San Francisco? <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but I, 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 Rachel, I, I, mean, I just tell the truth, do I not? The other thing is that Biden, you know, Biden, some of the stuff he said about Israel is good because he has this traditional reflex. You know, he, he's an 80-year-old man who, who has the traditional attitudes about Israel. Does Kamala at the end of the day? Oh, she doesn't no, care. Probably no, not. Oh, please. She, she represents this new yeah. left. Yeah. I'd like Dave Chappelle, who's dead to me this morning. Anyway, Rich Lowry, I love you to pieces. Another great conversation. Right, Stay you. safe, Hang okay? All right, you too. Thank you. <laughs> I get a lot of that these days, too. Hang in there. What do I sound pissed? Not much. No? You think so? I don't know, because people keep telling me to hang in there, like, you know. 
I just know to keep a little bit of a distance for, for, for a while. Why? Do I, do, I, do I sound or look angry? Are you ready to, you're ready to kind no, of uh, explode? Okay, maybe not. How about I punch you across your stupid face? Well, just get it over with and let's move on. <laughs> no, I love you. You didn't call me this weekend, Tony. You didn't call me. You promised me you were going to call me. You didn't call me. <laughs> you think you could be friends with a girl? I, I could try. <laughs> All right. That wraps up our number two of Sitting Friends in the Morning. So if you like these shows on the CW, Vampire Diaries, and the Originals, and Supernatural, my next guest has over 3 million Instagram followers. 3 million. He's been in all those shows, as well as a bunch of good movies, including Hacksaw Ridge. He's Australian, Croatian. His name is Nathan Buzolik. He's not Jewish, but but has one of the loudest pro-Israel voices in the country. Big-time actor Nate Buzolik starts the 8 o'clock hour with five more great guests. Keep it right here. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I don't think anyone who understands this situation and the gravity of what this situation entails in the coming weeks and months uh, can sleep or rest. I know I haven't for two weeks now. I don't sleep. Um, and I wake up and you just open up your phone to the next level of chaos and anti-Semitism and radical ideology being spread through social media, deception, lies. It's its crazy. So I just want to, if you want to tell me I look tired, tell me I look tired because I'm going to look tired for a very, very long time, I believe. But anyway, we fight and we keep waking up and we keep doing whatever we can and we let Hashem bridge the gap. My inability to overcome this evil is not the point. It's what Hashem will do with whatever we can, with what he's given us, and he will do the rest. So breakfast radio tomorrow, uh, New York, uh, 8.10 in the morning, uh, radio show uh, called Sid and Friends. I'm going to be talking to Sid about the uh, complexities, nuances, and the path of what everything uh, looks like it's leading to uh, in this information war and this war for the Jewish people's right to exist in their ancestral homeland so if you're interested in tuning in you can hear the conversation that i have with sid which i'm looking forward to I got a text from my buddy Danny A. on Saturday. Danny A., of course, big-time actor, big-time guy. And you know he's been in the studio with me many times before he made the movie Inside Man. It was Gemini Lounge. 
Then Inside Man, and he put me in it. Man, was that a thrill. What a great movie that was. In fact, uh, Lucy Hale, who was in Pretty Little Liars with uh, Nathaniel, who joined me next, she played the bartender with me in that movie. And Danny sends me a text Saturday. He goes, listen, I got a buddy. He's a great actor, which he is. And um, his name is um, Nathaniel, but we call him Nate Buzolik. He's not even Jewish. He's not even Jewish. But he's a great actor. He's got over 3 million followers, and the kid can't sleep at night. He's so devastated over the attacks in Israel. So if you don't know who Nate Buzolik is, my wife, for example, my beautiful wife, Danielle, she loves the whole vampire genre. So she watched all those shows, Vampire Diaries, the original, Supernatural. So she knows who Nate is, of course. Nate's also been in Hacksaw Ridge, a big-time soap opera out of London called Out of the Blue. So he's a real big-time actor. But these days, he's like me. We just can't enjoy anything. I, I couldn't care less about the Giants game yesterday. First of all, the Giants suck anyway. Terrible. But I just don't care. I'm having a difficulty enjoying a lot of things I used to before. So with that said, here he is, big-time actor uh, Nathaniel Buzolik. Nate, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, good morning. Uh, it's uh, bright and early here in Los Angeles, so forgive me if I, I sound half asleep because I am. Well, it is only uh, 5.17 in the morning, so thank you very, very much for getting up early just to talk to me. And again, you know, you've got a great IMDB, certainly a big-time actor. If Danny A thinks you're big-time, you got to be big-time. Um, but uh, I've been watching your Instagram for days, and your days and nights seem to be inundated with your thoughts on my people, the Israelis. And again, Nate, as far as I know, you're not even Jewish. Is that right? That's Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'm not Jewish. Um, I was born in Sydney, Australia. Uh, my mom, in fact, was actually born in Egypt in a refugee camp. Um and uh, I'm a first-generation Australian, so I, I really kind of became exposed to um, you know the Jewish people in Israel back in 2017 uh, when I first went out um, to visit this place and see it with my own eyes. Wow! So you went to Israel in 2017. Were you with Danny A? At that? Did he go? Or was, it, was it your family you went with that time? No, I actually went by myself. I, I had previously gone to um, Iraq in 2016. 2016 to volunteer um, um, with a non-profit that was bringing emergency aid to people fleeing ISIS-controlled areas at the time. Um, I had a real kind of desire to, um, to sort of see it with my own eyes. Uh, I was working on a TV show at the time. I got in a, a little bit of trouble off Warner Brothers for going to Iraq, but um, that's mm. another story. Um, and after I'd gone to Iraq and saw, you know, saw the horrific you know, events of what unfolded when a radical ideology like ISIS is allowed to spread through the Middle East. Um, shortly after that, I, I went to Israel. Um, and, I, and I, you know, for, to give people, people some background, I grew up in a very um, Islamic Middle Eastern community uh, in Sydney. Uh, so I was exposed very early on to, um, you know, the Arab culture, um, the, you know, the ways and customs of, you know, Islam. Uh, as a kid, I would do Ramadan with my neighbours and Ayid. And so I had a very, very clear understanding of that culture um, and a very, very vague understanding of Judaism. Um, and so when I went to um, Israel in 2017, I was kind of shocked at the narrative that I heard growing up uh, from my own community that I grew up around in Sydney um, and what was actually happening on the ground. And I guess the more I learned, the more I felt compelled to challenge the I would say the pro-Palestinian narrative that mm. kind of sits and is controlling the story today. 
Oh, my God. I never would have thought Sydney, Australia. I mean, I think about, you know, seriously, kangaroos, koala bears, Olivia Newton-John, Crocodile Dundee. I had no idea there was that much hate in uh, in Sydney, Australia. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, too, here, Nate, but you've got some Croatian descent, too. If that's true, you are very familiar with civil wars, yes? Yes. Yes, that's the whole reason why my my mum was born in a refugee camp, you know, and I think that's one of the the greatest realities that I actually have come to terms with in the last uh, 24 hours, Sid. I I got on a phone call with a a gentleman called Ephraim. Um, He's known as the Nazi hunter, and he's dedicated most of his life. He lives in Israel now, but dedicating most of his life to track down these, these men who were committing these horrific violent, atrocious acts that, you know, we, we know the word Nazi now is a byword of evil. And he was responsible for bringing a lot of these men to justice. And we had a conversation uh, yesterday, an in-depth conversation, because I wanted to understand how the Nazis were so successful in their propaganda to convince an entire nation, but more than that, nations around them to buy into their lies, to buy into the anti-Semitic rhetoric, which would bring about the death of not only Jews in, you know, Germany, but also all over Europe uh, and, you know, particularly in Eastern Europe, where a lot of Jewish people were subjected to violence from people who bought into the Nazi program. And so the reality that he was telling me is it starts with the Jews, but it doesn't end with the Jews. And my grandmother, um, her husband was shot and killed because he refused to accept uh, the fascists, you know, the the the, the movement that was spreading through Eastern Europe and thus my grandmother had to flee uh, and she ended up in this refugee camp where my mum was born. And um, that was a chilling conversation for me to have because it, it really kind of sums up what the Nazis were capable of doing around the world and how do we put that and make sense of that today with what we're seeing with Hamas and this pro-Palestinian narrative. Well, they're doing the same thing. It, it may start in Israel. It may start with convincing an Arab population to hate and fight against Jewish people and the Jewish presence in the land. But what we're seeing all over the world now, Sid, is people gathering in the streets who have no understanding of Middle Eastern politics, no understanding of Middle Eastern cultures, and chanting what the Arab populace is chanting, which is intifada and, you know, free Palestine from the river to the sea, which is all about genocide which is all about a destruction of jewish presence in their ancestral homeland so it's the same evil same. repackaged rebranded yeah, yeah. Uh, actually worse because the nazis went out of their way i know clearly you're, you're a history buff you're only 40 years old god bless you but you're a history buff the nazis nate went out of their way to hide a lot of those atrocities and hamas can't wait to show it on video and uh, show the world what they're doing so uh, to a certain extent it's almost worse so here you are 40 year old guy young Great-looking guy. I mean, gorgeous. All these TV shows, Vampire Diaries, all these movies. You've even done game shows, you know, The Mint. And you're getting yourself involved in this, becoming a huge voice for pro-Israel. I don't know how Hollywood's going to look at that, how your uh, even your castmates may look at that, but clearly you don't care, do you? No. You know, I, 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 look, there was a point in my life where I did care. Um, and I think that all shifted uh, in 2016. Sid, actually, you know, I'd, I'd actually gone through a pretty, pretty bad breakup with a, a girl that I was seeing. Um, and you know, you, there's certain points in life where you get to a point where you don't care anymore about the result. You don't care if you win, you lose, you have success, you don't have success, you're loved, you're hated. Um, you, you know, a lot of people, maybe even listening on the show, have been points in their life where they're like, look, uh, 
I'm done. I'm, I don't see the value in my own life and I'm ready to give up. Um, and, you know, I was never the kind of personality that would sort of go through the process of suicide, but I definitely had conversations with God where I was willing to say, take my life, I don't want it anymore. Um, and I remember in 2016 when I was in Iraq, I, I you know, I saw the, saw the horrific things that ISIS had done and I said to God, I'm done, this world's ugly, it's wicked, I don't want it anymore. <clears throat> and I remember that in that moment of time, God challenged me with a simple question. Uh, if you're that willing to give up your life, you don't want it anymore, give it up to me, what's the difference? Um, and that radically changed wow. me, Sid. Um, I actually came back from Iraq. I read the entire Bible cover to cover. And um, I was a Christian at the time, but I would say I was a lukewarm Christian. And after reading the entire Bible in 28 days, one word stood out that I couldn't get out of my mind, uh, which was Israel and God's love and covenant to this people and this nation, which he declared in 1948 is still the apple of his eye. So while you say that, what what kind of surprises me, Nate, not to cut you off, but if you're a lukewarm Christian at best, and you read the Bible, and the one word that hit you was Israel, and since your trip to Israel in 2017, you've become a huge voice for the Jewish people, may sound like a silly question, but why haven't you converted to Judaism? Look, uh, I'll be completely transparent. I'm completely convinced that Yeshua is the Messiah. Um, And if it wasn't for that uh, one identity of who I believe is the one who has come and the one who is coming back, I would be probably the most religious Jew you've ever met. I would be wearing (laughs) sitzers. I would be going to shul every single day. You know, I'd be wearing a kippah. Um, I would convert if it wasn't for the one thing that I guess is kind of divided both the Christian and Jew at the very core, which is, you know, the identification of Mashiach. But that being said, um, as, a, as a Christian, as someone who does want to honor Yeshua with everything he did um, 2,000 years ago, I quickly realized that so much of the anti-Semitism that's happened, you know, to the Jewish people has been from Christians who are absolutely ignorant and uh, lacking knowledge and understanding of God's word and the beauty of his story. The beauty of a story about not the faithfulness of a people, but the faithfulness of a God who's willing to keep a covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so I quickly realized that if I can't love what God loves, I can't have any part of him. Mm. And my belief of Yeshua is he loves the Jewish people. He came for the Jewish people. He will come back for the Jewish people. And until that day happens, my only task is to defend their right to exist, defend their right to gather and worship God as the way God has commanded them and to be in the land that he promised. You know, so this really comes down to one reality. When God makes a unique relationship with a certain group of people, the world will hate them for that relationship. And we see this in the Torah. You know, the story of Cain and Abel is there for a reason. It's the first murder. And we see Cain's jealousy of his own brother Abel purely because God chose to have a unique relationship with Abel. He didn't discount Cain. He just wanted to have a unique relationship with Abel. And we see that God brought this nation of people into the Sinai wilderness, and he made a claim that you are my people and I will be your God. And so we continue to see that unfolding today. And once again, that unique relationship that exists between the Jewish people, which is unbreakable. You know, the prophet Jeremiah talks about God saying that if the ordinance is in the sky, if nature itself changes, then my covenant with Israel will be broken. But until that day, Mm. nothing changes. Nothing changes. Uh, Nate Buzalik, this guy is a tremendous actor. He really is. But uh, you think he was a rabbi at this point, and God bless him for that. i got about two minutes to go, and 
Now I know why yeah. Danny A. wanted you on the show, because you've been not a good guest, but a great guest. And I really hope, Nate, that you uh, you keep coming back here. Look, I, I've been uh, very, very uh, real about uh, how I feel. Uh, I don't believe right now I can find any sympathy in my heart for the Palestinians, even the innocent ones. I just can't. I don't know how many of these people are handing out candy to the kids in the street or dancing and celebrating in the streets when they kill Jews. Uh, right now, there is one side, one side that committed a heinous act on October the 7th and one side now that needs to pay the price, despite thousands and thousands of these people in the streets of New York uh, saying bad things about Israel. I want to see Israel wipe them off the face of the map. How does Nate Buzalik feel? This is how I feel. I feel that Hamas is really uh, everything that they've planned is going perfectly to plan. Everything. Um, they're willing to make martyrs of their own people. Um, I look, my heart breaks when I see children suffering, but I also know those children, given the circumstances, if left in the state that they are under the leadership of Hamas, they will ultimately become terrorists. They will ultimately become people who are willing to give up their own lives. And how do you know that? You know how you know that, Nathan? You know how you know that? Because, and these are facts. This is not some made-up story. We're not doing a Vampire Diary movie. You know that because they start teaching the kids that in the second grade. It's in their textbooks. It's part of their curriculum, second grade, hate and kill the Jews. So these innocent little kids, and of course it breaks my heart too, I've got two children, will eventually, like it or not, become killers. Yeah, I look. I said this. You know, a lot of people you know look at these children right now, and heartbreaks, and mine does too. But you know, the same people who crossed over the border two weeks ago and brutally murdered innocent women, children, raping young girls in front of you know next to their dead friends at a music festival, they were kids too once. And this wicked ideology has to go. It's the ideology of the Islamic regime that is trying to create a caliphate in the Middle East. It's the you know the Islamic regime that is calling the shots with. Uh, Hamas. You know, there's a reason why the Palestinian people didn't uh, connect themselves to the plight of the Iranian people as they fight against the wicked government. And when you sort of traditionally look at the Palestinian people, I know I haven't got a lot of time, but they always attach themselves to other causes. They try to claim to be like the Ukrainians with the Russians. You know, they try and claim to be like, you know, the Jewish people against the Nazis, as bizarre as that sounds, but they will use any movement or cause, you know, BLM, they did the same thing. They said, like, this is like us. This is, you know, we're, we're, the, we're the oppressed people. Oh, Yet they did not touch the Iranian people because the hand that feeds Hamas is the Islamic regime. That's the dragon. That's the head of the dragon. And they have no desire for peace, which is the re- which you can't negotiate with. You can't negotiate with the people who don't want peace. And this is a generational hate that sadly doesn't seem like it can be removed, and now the world is supporting it. That's what the scariest thing is, Sid. The international community is starting to be brainwashed by the Mm. pro-Palestinian narrative that has been a disease long before, you know, people started paying attention to Israel, you know. In the final 60 seconds, there are more Jews here in New York than any other state in the country. So, of course, it was very disheartening to me to see 5,000 of these people protesting on Saturday and and screaming eradicate the Jews, kill the Jews, and that chant which Hamas does, which is from the uh, the river to the sea. Uh, Los Angeles has a very, very large Jewish population, too. You're there. You're a big-time actor. Are you guys getting the same type of rallies and protests out there? Look, here's the difference. The difference is people are peacefully trying to live for life. The, you know, the Jewish people amaze me over and over again. Said I was at a, a charity event last night for Sheba Hospital. They raised $3 million 
Um, you know, if I can define anything, the difference between this pro-Palestinian narrative and the Jewish people is one is a culture of death, and one is a culture of life. The Jewish people want to live. They've always desired peace. They are a peaceful, loving people, and they're dealing with a culture of death. And the only way you can respond to a culture of death is to fight it with truth and to fight it with everything you have to make sure that the next generation isn't bred into the same sort of hatred. So that's really what the battle is. Now Israel has no choice. They can't let this virus live and breathe in the land anymore. It's a cancer, and that cancer is deep within many of the hearts and minds of the Arab community that have believed a lie from the beginning, you know, and they've injected language into the arguments to instantly look like, to make the Jewish people look like they're the problem. This is why they say occupiers, colonizers, oppressors. None of it has factual truth when you really look at the history of the nation of Israel and its formation in 1948. But long before that, you see hatred towards the Jews before a state was even established. You know, you see this in 1929 with the massacre of 53 Jews in Hebron. You see this in, uh, you know, where, where innocent Jews have been slaughtered by the Arab populace. And again, it all comes back to this biblical idea. There is a jealousy that God made a covenant relationship with the Jewish people and they will stop at nothing mm. until they prove to the world that they're the stronger, mightier people. They have the God that's on their side. This is a David and Goliath moment. And, you know, historically, David walks onto that battlefield and he says, I, I'm representing the living God. And I do believe the Jewish people today, and if you're listening to this, you are part of the story of the living God who are fighting against the, the gods of old, these owls, these wicked gods who want to, these Elohim that want to take away the goodness of who God is and present their own wickedness and distort that to a world that's already so broken. You know, Nate, on a much lighter note, if and when this actor strike ever ends and Danny A goes back to making movies, I would give just about anything to make a movie with you. <laughs> I swear to God, I really would. I, I would I would love to just hang around you for a week. I'll go to L.A., wherever you want to film it, I don't care, because that's how brilliant, and I mean this, and heartfelt this conversation was, and all what you've done uh, since this horrific day 16 days ago means a lot to me and my people. So not only are you a terrific actor, but you're a great human being. God bless you. Let's do this again very soon. Thank you. I would love to. Thank you, Sid. Thank you, Nathan. There he is, folks, Nate Buzalik. And you know why he's got over 3 million followers, 3 million on Instagram. And he did post on his story today. He was coming on this show. He's great looking. He's a big-time actor. He's been in some major, major shows and uh, very, very smart, to say the least. Brilliant. All right, let's go to uh, take a quick break, right? We're going to Joe Nolan. We'll take a break. We'll come back. A lot more guests to come, four more great ones. But a special thanks right there to actor Nate Buzolik on a Monday morning. in the morning 77 WABC Down on the 
Jackson Brown, Louis Boy. Got a couple of great guests about to stop by. Bernie Kosar, the former great Miami Hurricane, Cleveland Brown, Dallas Cowboy, Miami Dolphin quarterback. For some reason, he was not at the Browns-Colts game yesterday. He was at Kansas City Chargers in the afternoon, hanging out with Taylor Swift and Trevor Kelsey. We'll find out why. We're going to go live to Jerusalem, talk to Caroline Glick from JNS. That's always a um, an amazing conversation. Again, live in Israel coming up at 9.10. But uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to two guys who were at that rally in Brooklyn on Friday. You know, I, uh, Saturday, I reached out to the mayor. I was freaked out. Not going to lie to you. Reached out to the mayor. He said, 5,000 of these animals are way too close to my house. I don't want to see this. Not in my city. And um, he recommended I talk to John Shell, the NYPD chief of patrol, and Kaz Daughtry the NYPD assistant commissioner, and both of those guys will join me next. So without further ado on this beautiful sunny Monday morning in New York City. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. So like I told you, I reached out to the mayor Saturday after watching these animals in the streets of Bay Ridge. And Eric is on all the time. He's been very good to me. So I didn't want to bother him. And uh, Eddie Caban as well. In fact, I'm going to see both of those guys coming up this Wednesday at the Back to Blue. So I said, Eric, give me somebody who can come on. Maybe they were at this rally, whatever you want to call it. It was just, it was hate-filled. He said, you know, you should talk to Sid is John Shell. I said, okay, great. Put him on. John Shell happens to be the NYPD chief of patrol. So the assistant commissioner of the NYPD, Kaz Dorchy, reached out to me yesterday. We had a great conversation. And I uh, said, Kaz, you should come on too. So with that said, they're both here this morning. I'm very appreciative. John Shell and Kaz Dorchy. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you guys? Good morning, Sid. How are you? Good. Good, good morning, to, Sid. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you both. John, let me start with you. Um, it's a lot of folks, 5,000, way too many for my liking. And I know you can't stop them, I guess, even though these are hate-filled rallies, pictures of swastikas, Hamas chants, eradicate the Jews, kill the Jews. It seems to me like somewhere down the road we should be able to do something to stop these. But I know you can't just yet. But, uh, John, I'm not sure why you guys were taken by surprise when you consider that back on January the 29th, earlier in the year, they had a rally in the same exact place. Not as many people, but led by this lowlife, Nurdin Kizwani, they amassed on that day, too. So it does seem like that neighborhood, John, is a Palestinian stronghold and maybe a problem for Jews like me in New York City. Well, we, we were fully aware of uh, Saturday, and we were fully aware of what happened a few months ago, like you pointed out. 
uh, about 5,000 people in Bay Ridge. I'm from Bay Ridge. I know the area well. Uh, it, it is a stronghold, and we learned from some things that they wanted to do last time in terms of going on the B2E, so we prepared for that. And like you said, about 5,000 uh, uh, pro-Palestinian protesters. Uh, it was relatively uh, calm for us in terms of letting them exercise their First Amendment, but not be any loyalist behavior until the end. Uh, when we had to clear the street and uh, at least uh, 20 people decided they wanted to fight with us. And, and quite frankly, you know, we're not going to put up with that. Uh, you know, there is the First Amendment we have to deal with. Uh, we have let them have their say whether we or not. But by no means are we allowed to fight, and we're going to take care of business like we did Saturday. Good. And, uh, John, in the end, you arrested how many? You said, was it 20? Was that the exact number? It, 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 it was 20. Uh, mostly for not uh, not heeding the warnings to uh, remove themselves in the street, and you know that's where we draw the line. And once we took twenty, the other four thousand uh, nine hundred eight decided, well, uh, I think they need business, and they cleared the street. So we don't like to get physical. We don't like to do that, but we will, and we are not under any circumstances going to put up in any laws, baby, in this city, under this mayor, under this police department, and for our community. Good for you, John. Now, Kaz, you and I spoke yesterday, and I believe, and if I'm wrong about something, buddy, just correct me, but the drones, I know uh, you know, I'm very close with Curtis, and uh, we talked about Curtis uh, getting upset in certain places where drones are being used, whether it's a rally on Staten Island or other places, but in all seriousness, I can see why you would have used them on Saturday with 5,000 people. I think that does call for that, as well as, by the way, boots on the ground like you guys did. Tell me about uh, your drone usage, especially on Saturday night. Yeah, no, thanks. Good question, Sid. So whenever protests turn violent, which we saw <clears throat> last uh, a couple of days ago with the uh, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, when groups engaging in fights, obstructing traffic, we find that our, you know technology becomes extremely useful. It allows us to effectively manage the crowd size, um, and, 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 and enables law enforcement officials like Chief Shell, uh, Chief McAvoy, the borough command out there, to make informed decisions when in maintaining public safety. This is uh, John Shell. He happens to be the chief of patrol of the NYPD. And that last voice you just heard, Kaz Daughtry, he's the NYPD assistant commissioner. So, John, uh, moving forward, uh, some of my um, – look, I, I'm a tough guy. I think I am at least. Brooklyn kid, you know the whole deal. And I'm on the air every day yelling and screaming at folks. And I'm, I'm very rarely intimidated by anybody. I don't care who it is. But uh, for what it's worth, these attacks in Israel 16 days ago and seeing thousands and thousands of people – on our streets from Manhattan to Brooklyn is a bit unnerving, to say the least, even for a tough guy. And uh, I reached out to you guys because I'm a little nervous about moving forward what's going to happen in this city. You know, my, my contention, John, is that these terrorists are here. They're not coming. They're already here. And we may have a major issue on our streets one day. I'm not going to ask you if you agree or disagree. What I'm asking you is, are you preparing for that possibility every day? Yes, every day we prepare for it. And let me give you some numbers. Since the, since the attack in Israel 16 days ago, we've had 101 demonstrations, roughly over about 70,000 people uh, participating. Uh, and we have really, I think, did a good job of keeping the peace. You know, we, we tell the public there's no credible threats, but, you know, we're, real, we're always looking for that. Our intelligence bureau is always looking for that lone wolf. So we will stay at a heightened alert. Our security posture will do the best we can to mitigate that with the intelligence we receive. And we have a lot of cops out there you see and don't see. 
Uh, we're the best department in the world. We can move quickly when we have to. And like I said, we're going to do everything we can to, to keep the community safe. And we have to protect the community. The community protects us. It's a false multiplier. And like I said, we're, we're the best in the business at this, and, and, and we'll, we'll come through this. Well, there's no argument from me, John. I have an immense amount of respect for the NYPD, and I think part of my popularity, John and Cass, to be honest, is because I do love the cops so much. And, you know, a lot of you guys drive out in your cars and listen to me all morning long, and I get stopped in the street all the time by men and women in blue who appreciate what I have to say. So, you know, i got to tell me, I, I love you guys, and, and I appreciate the work that you do. You know, Kaz, in both of those rallies, the one back in January and the one this Saturday, these people started making their way towards the offices of one of my good friends, and that's Republican politician Nicole Maliotakis, who, of course, uh, governs in both Staten Island and Bay Ridge. Uh, they've done that now twice. Um, I mean, I, I doubt she's asked for it, but have you guys paid attention to maybe do, you know, securing her office just in case these people one day really do enter while she's there? You, you know, <clears throat> good question, Sid. We, we protect all of our politicians' offices. Um, we, we had intel that they were moving towards her office. Immediately we were able to utilize our existing technology, the drones, to get a clear shot of her office. And Chief McAvoy was able to make a conscientious decision to put additional resources in front of our office before the crowd even got there. Well, that's good. Uh, good job uh, to you guys, Kaz, and Chief McElroy. So, John, as you wrap up this conversation, oh, you guys are very busy, so I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes from me, and hopefully I'll see both of you guys here outside my offices this Wednesday when we back the blue, an annual event. We pay homage uh, to you guys for your courageous work. Uh, John, moving forward, because of the attacks on Israel, when you consider the migrant crisis in New York, and the lots of folks that have not been vetted. And we have honest conversations here, me and Eric, you know, me and Eddie, and me and you guys. A lot of folks have not been vetted. So when you combine the migrant situation now with the possible terrorism threat after what happened in Israel 16 days ago, how much more difficult is your job than it was maybe, I don't know, last year at this time? And how difficult is it to recruit more cops, which I think we do need more, to protect this city. What about those two questions, John? Well, for the recruitment, uh, we have uh, many more candidates than we had this time last year, which I think is a direct reflection of the mayor's supporters of the police department and the contract he gave our hardworking cops. And, uh, look, every day is a challenge in the city. We're at heightened alert. Uh, like, you, like like I mentioned before, we have migrants. We have, we have uh, um, protests, but we're a dynamic city. Like you said earlier, we're a tough group. When I say group, police department and our community people, and we'll get through this. And, and I, we, we've been telling the public, we, we won't be governed by fear. I don't care what it is. Uh, New Yorkers are tough. Uh, stand tall, be aware of your surroundings, go about your business, and, and we and we will get through. We always do. Well, my confidence is with you guys, John. So well, both you gentlemen, John Shell and Kaz Daughtry, you guys be careful, too. Keep your head on a swivel. You just don't know these days, but... Thank you for your courageous work. Thank you for taking your time out and talking to me this morning. Like I said, I hope I see you Wednesday. But either way, thank you both so much, and God bless you both. Thank you. Anytime, sir. Thank you. All right. Take care. That is uh, John Shell. John happens to be the chief of patrol for the NYPD and Kaz Daughtry, the NYPD assistant commissioner. All right. Lots more to do. We're going to go live to Israel. She's been on once before, and she was great, and she nailed it. With Larry Kudlow this weekend on Fox Business, we're going to talk to JNS.org's Caroline Glick. 
So join me at 9:10, and then former NFL quarterback great hanging out with Taylor Swift and a Travis Kelsey. Why my friend Bernie Kosar? He's going to come on and tell us about that one too. Big nine o'clock hour to come. Sitting friends in the morning. In the morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Reach out, touch space. McCarthy again, <laughs> the former program director here at WABC ESPN New York. He loves the Pash mode. This is personal Jesus as we start our fourth and final hour on this Monday morning. Sunny New York City, which has become little Palestine. By the way, Palestine doesn't exist, you morons. There's no such thing. Palestinians live in Israel because we're kind to let them live there. There is no such thing as Palestine, not in Bay Ridge or Israel. Dumb bastards. God. Anyway, you know, um, we've been having Alex Trayman on all the time from JNS, but we had this lady, Caroline Glick, on once, and she was great. But she had to run off and do her TV show in Israel. And then I uh, I saw her on Larry Kudlow over the weekend. And I texted Justin. I go, you got to get this lady back. She's great. She takes no prisoners. And, um, and Alex is great, too. This is, you know, they're both fantastic, but. It's good to switch it up every now and then. So joining us live, I believe, just outside Jerusalem this morning from JNS, is um, the very outspoken and talented Carolyn Glick. Carolyn, welcome back to New York City. How are you? Thanks for having me on your program. Just fine. Thank you. You doing okay? Yeah, we're okay. Thanks. Now, um, where are you exactly? How many miles from Jerusalem or kilometers, however you guys say it? Well, we live in a suburb of Jerusalem in an area called Gush Etzion, and we live about, um, I think, about 15, 15 kilometers outside of Jerusalem, so it's like 10 miles, something. 10 miles. And are you guys, mm-hmm. even this morning, this is now 16 days after the initial 
horrendous attacks, you're still hearing rocket fire every morning, right? Every day, every night. Well, where we're living, uh, we haven't we haven't had a rocket attack for several days. But um, you know, we hear we hear the sounds of war, both in terms of shooting from uh, Bethlehem and also and from the surrounding villages around where we live, and also uh, we hear the uh, <clears throat> IDF bombers going off on their sorties. So, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. So the president spoke here a couple nights ago, and a lot of folks, even Republicans, which I, I couldn't believe, that uh, were willing to give him credit. And there were two things about that speech, Carolyn, which made me so angry I wanted to break my television. First was he's still calling for a two-state solution. After what we saw October 7th, if there's any doubt in anybody's mind that these people, good or not, are not capable of that, I don't know what they're thinking. And secondly, he blamed Iran. And if you're the United States president and you're going to blame Iran, you're complicit because all his administration has done, him and Obama and him now, is bend over backwards to appease Iran. How can you listen to those two things and tell me President Biden did a good job? Right. So there is significant dissonance in uh, Biden's position because you, he has two contrary positions uh, jangling around. The first one is to support Israel, and the other one is to support Israel's enemies, uh, both Iran, uh, which I saw that the Defense Department did finally say yesterday that it's impossible really to um, to say that, oh, that Iran wasn't involved in, in the attack. Um, but uh, it hasn't been translated into administration policy vis-a-vis Iran, either in terms of, of enforcing already existing American sanctions on Iran's oil exports to China or in simply writing a letter to the U.N. Security Council that says Iran is in breach of its uh, commitments uh, to limit its nuclear operations under the 2015 nuclear deal. As a consequence, we, the United States, Britain, France, Germany, all parties to the agreement are snapping back the U.N. Security Council sanctions on Iran's nuclear operations. They refuse to do that as well. And like you said, and then the other thing that's most startling is that the, the Biden administration, President Biden, demanded that Israel allow so-called humanitarian assistance into the Gaza Strip. And since Hamas controls the entire Gaza Strip, including U.N. installations there, uh, all all supplies entering into Gaza go first and foremost to Hamas. They control them so that the United States is demanding resupply of Hamas. These and other issues, like you said, is continued support for Palestinian statehood when the PLO-controlled Palestinian Authority just is calling for the people living under its control to join the jihad and slaughter Jews. As late as Friday, they gave orders to all of their imams to say that in their mosque sermons on Friday afternoon. So, there is dissonance, right? Uh, they are supplying Israel, and it's really important. We need the military equipment that uh, the U.S. has pledged to give us. But on the other hand, they're also continuing their previous policy of realigning the United States away from Israel and towards Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood. So I'm glad you know that because, man, Carolyn, it gets tiring trying to talk to my sister and brother-in-law and other Democrats who, for some reason, continue to back Joe Biden. I mean, those were two glaring, glaring, awful statements. If you're an Israeli and you've lost a relative and you hear that, I mean, for example, I see Rachel Goldberg, Carolyn, on TV all the time, and my heart breaks for her. They've got her son. 
They took him at the concert. They blew his arm off. She's not even sure if he's alive or not. She hasn't talked to him in 16 days. But she's constantly, constantly, oh, thanking the Biden administration and this idiot Secretary of State and this Lloyd Austin. And I got to tell you, it makes me nauseous. I know why she's doing it. She wants to get her son out. But for I'm sitting and following this thing very, very closely, this administration is more complicit than angry. I don't know. I, I, again, I, I think that the dissonance is very, very clear. And um, and uh, unfortunately, um, it appears that because Biden staffed himself, his his Department of Defense, his Department of State, his Security Council, which come back to me, please, Carolyn, come back to me. I think we lost her. Well, what do you want? She's in a rough spot. <laughs> I got to imagine self-service is an issue in a lot of those places, no? Let's see if we can get it right back. Carolyn Glick, JNS, who was um, just about to explain why Joe Biden seems to be so inconsistent in his, quote-unquote, allegiance to Israel in this war that is quickly involving Many other countries along the way. I'm sorry, Carolyn. Get finish your point about who Biden has aligned himself with in his administration that makes it difficult for him to really have a total allegiance to Israel. Right. So the problem is that you know he's after his administration people like Hadi Amar, who is in charge, who is a his an envoy to the Palestinians, and Meyer Buttar, who's in charge of all the intelligence traffic inside of the National Security Council. And other people like that at state and and in the uh, and in the Pentagon, who when they look at this policy that has dissonance in it that is self contradictory, um, they're pushing for maintaining course with the pro Iran, uh, pro Muslim Brotherhood, anti Israel policies, and that sort of uh, gaining expression. For instance, and most prominently, but not only, with the Biden administration's demand to resupply Hamas through the under the. Uh, under the header uh, humanitarian aid and and regarding the hostages look i mean they're holding 222 israeli hostages in in gaza this is an unspeakable atrocity um and and our fear is that you know but they're also but, but 7 million israeli jews cannot be held hostage by hamas and you know the, the conviction here in israel is that the best way uh to try to rescue the hostages is to actually go in and rescue them because uh, leaving it to Qatar, which is Hamas's state sponsor, to transfer ransoms to Hamas in exchange for the lives of our people um, is, is not is not a good way to go about it. It's a good way of ensuring that Hamas remains in power, uh, that these butchers are allowed to butcher more, and that Israel loses its ability to defend itself. So I think. I think that it's really um, it's a terrible thing. It's a psychological warfare operation of the type that, you know, uh, we have nightmares about. And here it is, our reality. But, you know, it, it's uh, it's the truth. Yeah. And uh, yep. and and you can't negotiate these kinds no. of agreements. No, you can't. And you're right. They got to go in. And I know America has some of their SEAL teams or what they call them now, special ops. They're there, too, as well as the Israelis. And uh, I had seen something this weekend, Carolyn, where, uh, you know, Hamas, the plan they laid out 
is going perfectly. And what it is is, let's go attack the Jews, be as barbaric as possible to upset the whole world. Then, then let's have the Jews fight back and come to us. Because what I heard is there's about 300 miles of tunnel. And in these tunnels is where they've got these hostages. And they've got snipers and booby traps. And I keep hearing that they're going to make sure that these hostages are not getting out alive. If we get there and we get inside there, they'll blow this thing to smithereens, and these poor people will die anyway. Now, look, that may be a really, really pessimistic outview on what's going on, but that's what I'm hearing, that the reason why it's taken Israel so long, besides Biden telling him to, to not go in is, is that from a tactical standpoint, this is incredibly dangerous. Right. So, um, yeah, I wrote about that in my column on Friday as well. And, and my entire podcast yesterday, the Carolyn Glick Show, discusses um, in detail why it is that Israel is still not in Gaza. And one of the main reasons, the operational consideration that's guiding Israel is that is the tunnels that um, we need to attrit the terrorists because they have a decisive advantage when they're burrowed underground, whether with or without the hostages, because they know where they are. They know what they have. And our soldiers who would be going in don't. And so we need to uh, exhaust them and by laying siege on them, total siege, denying them electricity and water and to the extent possible air and food and exhausting them so that they come aground. And when they come aground, they'll be exhausted and, and we can kill them. But they have 40,000 of these terrorists um, in these tunnels, some of them are, you know, they, they go 200 meters before they go horizontal. And and so you're talking about you're talking about a massive terror infrastructure um, that's very, very difficult to attack from the air. And if we go in there without degrading this capability significantly, then then the fear is that we're sending our soldiers into a death trap. Right. And then we lose anyway. And we we need to win this war. I think you know there are a lot of divisions inside of Israeli society, but there is unanimity of purpose that we have to defeat. We have to eradicate this monster in our midst, which is Hamas, the Hamas regime, the Hamas terror complex, the Hamas way of life. But it's not just Hamas. I mean, it's Hezbollah, Hezbollah, it's Iran. I mean, you know, they keep threatening once Israel puts their boots on the ground in Hamas in uh, Gaza. That's when Iran and Hezbollah are going to step up their uh, actual offensive. And if they are true to their word and they actually do that, Carolyn, now you got to fight a war on two fronts, tunnels in Gaza and the northern border as well. And I'm going to ask you flat out, does Israel have enough manpower and weaponry to do that? You know, again, you, you know, how are you judging time? Whose side is time on? So initially there was a sense that time was on their side. And when we stopped to think about it, we realized that, you know, if we're able to shut them down in terms of speech, then we're losing her. All right. Listen, she's super and she's great. And look, she's in a tough spot. Again, she's just outside Jerusalem and, She's uh, keeping us updated, her and Alex Trayman from JNS, on a uh, daily basis, what's going on. But she made it very, very clear there, folks, that while everybody, everybody is worried 
about those 222 hostages. She called them Israeli hostages. But the truth is, a bunch of those are American, too. Well, we're all worried about those hostages, many of which are little kids. Little kids. And many more are young adults, 18-year-old girls. While they remain on our minds, do not confuse the issue. They will not, they will not dictate what Israel does and does not do. Israel is going into this to annihilate Hamas. That's it. They'd love to save the hostages, I'm sure. Uh, these last couple of days, part of the reason why they have not gone in is to get more intelligence. But you heard her. I said it all morning, too. 300 miles of tunnel. Some of these guys are so far underground, they can't even stand horizontal. They can't even go horizontal. I mean, this is an impossible task. And to think they can get all these hostages out and at the same time do what they need to do, which is eliminate Hamas. Maybe a bit much. I don't know. I don't know. But um, what can you do? Just push them luck. All right, we'll take a short break. We got Bernie Kosar stopping by today, the former great quarterback, my dear friend of the Miami Hurricanes, won a national championship with Miami Beat Nebraska back in 1983. Went on to have a great NFL career, Cleveland Browns. Won a Super Bowl, backing up Troy Aikman in Dallas. Backed up Marino for two years in Miami and drew up that great play that Marino used to beat the Jets with Mark Ingram. Now Bernie has devoted his life to helping folks with brain injuries. And believe it or not, that led Bernie Kosar to Taylor Swift. What was Bernie doing in Kansas City yesterday? We're about to find out. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is a uh, Danielle and Sid Rosenberg favorite Wings band on the run. We're just playing in Landy's where Danielle was buying meat. This is Wings, Paul McCartney's band on the run.
Talking to Noam a couple of weeks ago about Bernie Cohen saw Bernie comes on this show now pretty regularly every couple of weeks. Bernie won the national championship as the quarterback for Howard Schnellenberger at Miami. They beat Nebraska, and he started that whole great Miami deal, which Joe Tacopina talks about every week, you know, annoying. God, that's so over. But it all started with Bernie. In fact, when Bernie was at Miami, the four quarterbacks on the roster were Bernie, Jim Kelly, Vinny Testaverde, and Mark Ritt. Pretty amazing. And then Bernie went on to have this uh, great career with Cleveland. It wasn't his fault that Marty was his coach, God rest his soul, or Biner fumbled. He would have beaten Elway every time. He was better. Went on to win a Super Bowl, backing up Aikman in Dallas, and drew up that great, uh, that great play from Reno in, in Miami. But one of the reasons why Noam liked Bernie Kosar, Noam told me this, was because he was a great Jewish quarterback. I swear to God. And when I went to Miami in 1984, and Bernie was still there, it was his second year, I also thought Bernie was a great Jewish quarterback. Look at the name, Bernie Kozar. Sounds Jewish. So you could imagine the look on my face when I walked into his house in Weston and there was a cross on the wall, which was probably bigger than the one Jesus was actually crucified on. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's not Jewish. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people thought Bernie Kozar was Jewish and loved Bernie Bernie happens to be a dear, dear friend of the Jews. Most of his friends in Ohio are Jewish, because they've got money, of course. So I'm sure that Bernie is devastated over the Israeli story. But there's another reason why Bernie is coming on today. Noam goes to me this morning, look at this picture from this weekend. And I look at it, and it's Bernie Kosar in a hug with you. Ready for this? Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game. I'm going, wait a second, wait a second. Bernie should have been at the Browns-Colts game. He has no allegiance to Kansas City. And what is he doing with Taylor Swift? So Noam says, if anyone can find out, it's you. You're Bernie's buddy, and he's right about that. So here he is, the great Jewish quarterback, Bernie Kosar. Hey, what an awesome introduction. And for <laughs> really the for the seriousness of what's going on in the world right now and my thoughts and prayers for everybody that's been affected by this and what's happening in Israel and the West Bank and in Gaza. You wouldn't want to wish this on on anybody and and to see the anti-Semitism out there and kind of the hatred that's been festering within this world over the last couple of years in particular since COVID, I've really noticed even more of it. And, you know, we've talked at length on the show with myself and off the air about the overdose deaths and the opiate issues and some of the things of extremism within our own country. Um, if we could bring a little levity and a little humor to the show as we wind down today with all the seriousness uh, stuff that's happened in society and I get a chance to 
hang out with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift yesterday and uh, talk about a little winning football as the Kansas City Chiefs um, beat the uh, San Diego, uh, the L.A. Chargers. Um, but I'm in town, Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey. Travis has an awesome charity, his Operation Breakthrough, where um, he provides help for um, working-class families that um, – uh, need child care for their kids um, and, and the, the tributes and the things that they do within the community. It's really kind of cool to, to be a small part of that. Wow. So his charity where he gets, he helps out kids with, um, with the kids, the parents, I should say, how does yeah, that working, working class parents, right, but, but, but class how, parents I got it. But, but how does that charity correlate to what you're doing? I mean, as far as I know, Bernie, you've gone on this, health wellness kick, uh, you had some serious head injuries, you had brain issues, uh, you have overcome that, thank God. I always thought you were one of the smartest guys I knew, but you really went through an incredible amount of trauma during your NFL career, and um, through years and years of all kinds of efforts, you seem to have um, to done well finally. So how does your health and wellness charity or deal work with Travis's? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the younger players uh, and a lot of the younger guys have a lot of the same injuries. I had a broken ankle that I broke on Monday Night Football and ended up playing the whole game on it. And some of the oh my god, you, I remember you showing up at the studios in Miami in the morning, and that ankle was like so big and nasty. And for some reason, you thought I wanted to see it at six o'clock in the morning. That was nasty. Ten years later. Yeah, that isn't it isn't very festive to see the uh, to see the six uh, the six nails and plate that hold my ankle oh. to my tibula. What, what tibula. game was that? Who did that to you? What team was that? That was John Offerdahl, Monday Night Football, Miami the first wow. series Monday night against the, Miami. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Cleveland Browns in nineteen. I, I hope. By the way, I hope you got free bagels at John Offerdahl's bagel stores in Miami after he effed up your ankle like that. <laughs> no, he charged me double after that. <laughs> you know? But but so many things that I started at that age in playing football caused such ramifications for me later in life as a guy. We've talked a little bit on the show about this. We've talked off the air. Um, about seven Thursdays ago was International Overdose Awareness Day. Um, we're blessed in the month of October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but September was Suicide Prevention Month, and uh, whether it was the suicide or the opiate issue, I could have been either one of those two statistics. So I spent quite a bit of time talking in different cities and different communities with different athletes about health and wellness and um, my daily wellness essentials of things of, like myself, who four and a half years ago was diagnosed with five years left of cognitive brain function. No way could have been able to take a morning show and say cognitive or enunciate or articulate, communicate a message like that. And um, the Midwest, really the whole country, has been suffering from this this overdose issue. And um, I, we talked about the great um, start and miracle win that the Browns have had the last two weeks to go four and two. But just in Ohio, just over the last six days, had over a hundred people die of overdose. Is that right? A hundred? Over a hundred, just oh in my Ohio. God, jeez! Well, I know Ohio is a rough spot for that. I know that uh, my friend Bobby Hartman checks in from 
mainstream. He has a beautiful sober house, which I spoke at a couple of months ago. I'm sure he's a fan of yours. A hundred. My God, I didn't realize those were the numbers. So, but explain this to me. You're an older guy. You're like me at this point. You know, I mean, you're cute and, you know, people know who you are. But how does a young, young girl like Taylor Swift have any idea who the, is she from Ohio, who Bernie Kosar is? Well, her lead guitarist, the great Paul Sidari, is a Cleveland, Ohio guy. Oh. And for her liking Travis Kelsey and, and for Paul being the lead guitarist. And then for young people like that to be so fixated and helpful in health and wellness issues and caring about the communities and families and younger people and how to holistically and properly take care of yourself. It was just special to see people that are wanting to help, genuinely help out. Um, younger people. So, younger so you're telling me then you're sitting in the box, right? Kansas City, they win 31-17. Mahomes had a huge day. 400 yards, four more touchdowns. So you're sitting in the box and you're wearing red, which is, uh, really, uh, you should be arrested for that because you're a Cleveland Browns guy, but that's fine. You're really, you're wearing red. Win in Rome. Win in Rome. Do I know, I know. Win in Kansas City. And, you, and she's wearing red. And you're hugging each other. Well, so when they scored a touchdown, like Kelsey had a big day, he caught 12 passes. Were you the one that she would hug and high five when the Chiefs did something good? Taylor Swift? Well, let me say that it was awesome that Travis Kelsey had 149 yards catching in the first half and a touchdown, and that we we won yesterday. So I'm absolutely welcome back. What, what do you mean uh, we won? We won. The Browns or the Chiefs? The Chiefs. What, 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 what am I missing? Winning Rome, you got to go with the team. So, so if by some miracle, and the Browns are much improved, and it's amazing they're boring too, and the coach is doing a great job, and the kid Walker comes off the bench and plays well, but if by some miracle, it would take a miracle, the Browns and Chiefs are playing for the right to represent the AFC in Vegas at the Super Bowl, are the Chiefs still we, or are they they? Hey, we're all brothers. We're all <laughs> brothers in the spirit of football. Oh, my God. What has especially, happened to you, Bernie? Jeez. Especially when we're trending towards um, the uh, retirement age. No, I understand. So so are you and Taylor Swift buddies? Like, can you text her right now? Um, you know, part of Sid being good friends with people yeah. is, is not pestering people. No, I know that. I agree with that. I, I have friends I tell them all the time, the more you text, the less I like you. I'm being completely serious. But if it was something important, I don't know. You can. Do you have her number? That's all I'm asking. Do you have Taylor Swift's cell phone number? Well, if I if I said yes, you're one of my few friends that wouldn't pester me for it. Right. But if I said I said yes on the Sid Rosenberg and Friends show in New York, I'd have ten thousand <laughs> calls for that number. The second the second I hang up for you. Matter of fact, matter of fact, my phone is starting to beat now because you tipped <laughs> off people that hey, that's a great idea. He'll yeah. give it to me. No, I got a big audience, Bernie. This ain't Miami anymore. I'm a big deal. I'm a big star. So who's a better tight end than Travis Kelsey or Ozzie Newsom? Wow, to see to see the way the game's evolved and for me to get to play with Ozzie Newsom and get that streak and to really see Travis Kelsey having some of the same athletic mannerisms, footwork, and ability to separate from a linebacker and way that Ozzie found his way open into holes and then separated versus man coverage, what Travis Kelsey does is, is next you, level. You think he may be the best time ever. So, so what you're telling me, Bernie Kosar, is 
if in fact, because no one believes this is going to last, nobody, no, no smart people, if in fact it lasts and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey get married, you're telling me you're going to be the best man. Oh, I think his brother's got dibs on that. Well, his brother didn't beat the uh, Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football. Last I checked. Oh, I mean the kid yeah. from the Eagles, Justin. Huh? Oh, yeah, he's on the Eagles. He's an NFL player. He is going to get it. You're right. You're out. Yeah. You're out. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome It's an awesome family. It's Was really the mother crazy. there yesterday, too? The mother? Huh? Was the mother the there yesterday? It's, uh, you got the family affair going, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I want I want you to invite me uh, to one of these games so you and I can hang out with uh, Taylor and uh, when Travis is out there playing. Is that, is that could, could that ever happen? Or? Yeah, let's bring Danielle and let's double date, my man. Let's do it. She was. She, you, know, you, you know, you know, you're always on the guest list with me. Well, you know, now, who, that, you're, now that you're big time in New York, I, I'm. I appreciate this. You remember us? <laughs> no, stop, Bernie. Uh, I mean, and I say this all the time. We got to wrap this up. But you were always one of my favorite people. I mean, I went to Miami because of you. Because I thought you were the next great Jewish quarterback. <laughs> 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 and uh, the way you beat Nebraska, and then when I got to know you as a real person, not just you know number nineteen on my Sports Illustrated uh, jersey uh, paper. Uh, you're just a sweet, terrific guy, and uh, and I love you, and I'm happy you're feeling better these days. And and have fun. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy Taylor and uh, Travis, and we'll talk again very soon, buddy. Thank you. That sounds good, man. God bless everybody out there with all the extremism and all the the tough stuff going out there. Spread a little joy. Spread a little positiveness. Self-confidence, self-esteem means everything. You matter, brother. Love you. Oh, my God, you matter too, Bernie. Thank you. I love that. He actually sends me texts once in a while, and he says, you matter, brother. And I do. I love that. It's kind of like the uh, the Black Lives Matter. That's one big corrupt organization. They just steal money. Jewish Lives Matter. And to Bernie Kosar, you matter too. We'll come back and wrap things up. Sophia Perez is here this morning. Good morning, Sophia. We'll come back and wrap things up. But it's a day. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
My girl right here, Taylor Swift. You like this song, don't you? Come on, Gina Bina loves this in the social media office. Style, Taylor Your Swift. Chico! Yeah. Oh, we're done, guys. Heck of a show today. Lou Rafino, you're a genius. Justin Ellick, terrific job. Noam Layden, thank you so much. All the great guests today. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll all be back for a Tuesday show at... 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Thank you for your kind messages to Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. Follow me today at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Sid Rosenberg on Twitter, Sid Rosenberg Facebook. For Taylor Swift and Sid and Friends in the Morning, pray for Israel. accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.